Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Jay Corey, back from St. Pete, and you've brought some St. Pete weather today. High of 70 in Indianapolis that? to start the week. Now, did they say a cold front's moving in or moving out? Yeah, I believe moving in the rest of the week. It's wild to think. Well, I guess it's not wild. Kevin, you've lived in the state for 33 years. But we had sectional postponements on Friday night due to weather, and today it's 70 degrees. <laughs> Welcome to March, buddy. You'll have sectional championship games played tonight around the state of Indiana due to some of those postponements, and it's a high of 70. Good Monday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query. And Mark Dykton, the college basketball regular season concluded yesterday. Both Indiana and Purdue take care of business in different ways at home. Uh, and the Pacers, they get a real wrap up a really nice road trip. Three and one on the road. Tyrese Halliburton with some late game heroics in Chicago, and they will have a quick turnaround. Welcome Joel Embiid and the Sixers tonight over to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Mark, if I'm not mistaken, you're taking the family, right? Yep, whole family's come going tonight, so that should be that should be interesting in multiple ways. <laughs> and that everyone behaves themselves? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sure as long as they see Boomer, they'll be excited. Sure, well, that will be a given. Uh, Joel Embiid, again, it sounds like he will play in this matchup this season. We have not seen the Embiid. Miles Turner head-to-head. Uh, Philly is a heavy favorite as they do not have a back-to-back, uh, and a lot of combine chatter, certainly on this Monday morning. Jake, uh, St. Pete, good time down there? Uh, St. Pete race yesterday, a little bit chaotic, no doubt about it. St. Pete's always good, though, right? Because it's, A, it's... Chaotic from the start, is no joke. Oh, man. Fortunately, nobody was hurt. A lot of crashes is what we're alluding to. Um, yeah, the weather's great down there. There were a lot of people from Indiana there. The crowd was massive, so... You know, typically, like the St. Pete race, what you always want is what they call date equity so that fans know, like, oh, it's race weekend. And yet you get that. And now, you know, the race has been taking place in St. Pete for so long that, you know, quote, unquote, Grand Prix weekend when you walk around. Downtown St. Pete is fabulous. And people certainly know that it's race weekend. So Marcus Erickson, the winner over uh, Pata Award and Scott Dixon. But a good race, good weekend, and always kind of strange to get the year going because... You know, you're just kind of figuring things out from a calling a race standpoint of kind of knocking off the rust. So it was good to do that and then get back last night and see that, you know, Indiana wins, Purdue wins. It was good. It was a good night for college basketball and for professional basketball here, obviously. Yeah, yeah let's look a little, I guess, preview quickly the Big Ten tournament coming up. Again, it's not going to be here in Indianapolis, it'll be up in Chicago this year. Purdue is the one seed. We knew that going into the weekend. We pretty much knew nothing else besides the Big Ten tournament. I couldn't believe that the final game, Jake, yesterday of the Big Ten regular season was Northwestern and Rutgers. Northwestern was a two seed with a win, a nine seed with a loss. Yeah, how about that? I mean, that is just insane to even think about how jumbled the standings were. Northwestern won, so they will be a two seed after being picked to finish 13th in the Big Ten. Indiana's the three seed. And then Michigan State is the four. So we will not see both both Purdue and Indiana get double by. So we will not see either of the state schools play in the Big Ten tournament until Friday. Purdue will play in the noon game. They will take on the winner 
of Michigan and Rutgers, Indiana, is going to be the final game on Friday. That's approximately a 9 o'clock Eastern tip, and they will play one of three teams. That will be Maryland, the sixth seed. Maryland will take on the winner of Nebraska and Minnesota, who will start the Big Ten tournament on Wednesday. If you look at the bracket, I think you can make a strong argument Indiana got the better draw than Purdue. That's hard to argue because Iowa is a team, and I've mentioned Iowa before. You know, we've seen certainly at Assembly Hall what happens when Iowa gets hot, right, Kevin? I mean, if their shots are falling, and I guess that's true for any team, but Iowa just can score in bunches, and they can kind of spread it around and do it from multiple places. I also think even though, you know, Rutgers, Rutgers has kind of backed their way in, but they're obviously good defensively. Michigan kind of goes as Hunter Dickinson goes, and I think yesterday we might have seen kind of what Michigan is, and that's solid but can't finish. But Rutgers-Michigan, that would seem to me to be like a pesky first game for Purdue, and then the possibility of Iowa or Michigan State I, I think is pretty challenging for, for the second game. And on the flip of that, uh, you would be looking at, if the seeds hold, they'd be looking at Maryland in their first game. Jake Maryland is awful away from home. Correct. We've seen that, that all season fair. long. That's fair. And then Northwestern in the 2-3, which, I, guess, I mean, Northwestern did... They've swept them, right? Sweep, sweep Indiana, which okay. is just unbelievable to say out loud. Uh, it's hard to beat a team three times, although I, bet, I think that's kind of a... A fluke statement. I think a lot of people have debunked that over the years you know, when it the, comes to college the basketball. The one basketball news for Indiana over the weekend, Kevin, that I, I'm not saying it's bad news by any stretch, but there could be maybe not as big a silver lining as people think with it. The news that Xavier Johnson is definitively not going to try to come back this year and will be seeking a medical red shirt. I don't know if that's great news for Indiana. I, certainly, when you look at next year, they're going to need... In the short term or long term? Or, or both, I guess. Both. I I mean, in the short term, I guess it's good because who do they have next year? I'm assuming Trace Jackson Davis, we know, is gone. Jalen Hutchfino is gone. Um, between Monique, uh, Malik Renu, Caleb Banks, I, it wouldn't surprise me if one of those guys transfers. I, I Having nothing to do with the player, I'm just saying the law of averages says you're going to have probably one guy transfer out. Having Xavier Johnson next year will be beneficial, but would you be better off going into the transfer portal and getting a guy that still has multiple years of eligibility left as opposed to a one-and-done? A guy that you know is going to be there one year. Well, I think even with him back, you still have to do that. Sure. Like, you still have to go out and make you know as strong of a move as you can in the portal. But let the- me rephrase that, Kevin. I think that having him there reduces your chances of getting a, a one of the marquee twos that would be in the transfer market. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly will probably be your lead guy. Um, I mean, my first thought when I saw this <clears throat> over the weekend, Jake, is I'm thinking to myself, oh, wow, uh, you better get your heart rate medicine if you're an Indiana fan for next year because watching Xavier Johnson be the yeah, lead guy for you for 30 games could really uh, make you go one way or the other. Um, and then in the short term, I, I mean, Jake, over the next two weeks, it just continues to put more pressure on the plate of Jalen Huchifino. And, you know, yesterday they they were able to overcome it, but Trey Galloway and Miller Cop don't shoot it very well. You're con- Galloway's in foul trouble. You're kind of searching for that next guy. I mean, Tamar Bates hits a couple threes, but still Bates hasn't been the most efficient it continues to put just a lot of pressure 
on the two big guys. And, and by that, I don't mean necessarily the size. I mean, Trey Jackson Davis and Jalen hood Shafino. I, I will say this about Indiana and yesterday, Jake. Wild game in the sense of big first half lead, awful finish to the first half. Michigan goes up double figures early in the second half. Like you said, Michigan can't close that game. Um, I'm a sucker for senior day. Particularly, I think in college basketball, I kind of like the, okay, you know, you got the speeches after the game, or you know, some teams do it pregame. And if you watch overtime yesterday, the seniors did everything for Indiana. And yes, Race Thompson did miss some free throws to ice the game, but Race Thompson also hit an early bucket. He also made some massive plays on the defensive end of the floor. Their seniors, Jake, had all six points in overtime. Each of them had a bucket or had two points in Trace Jackson Davis, Miller Cop, and Race Thompson. Uh, that is, to me, just a really kind of cool moment to end the year. You know, Purdue doesn't have the same sort of senior flavor to their roster, so you didn't really get it with Purdue yesterday. But that is a pretty cool moment at home to try and cap a season that has had ups and downs, but you are going to be a three seed in the Big Ten tournament. You are likely going to be probably a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that had to be a really sp- special moment for each of those three seniors yesterday in f- kind of closing it out and making the plays in overtime. And you know what? Purdue does have I mean excellent points on Indiana in terms of their seniors Kevin the thing that Purdue does have what did we talk about about two weeks ago was for Purdue to kind of round out what has been a great year if they're I'm not going to say that they're sputtering down the home stretch but if they weren't as dominant as they were in say you know December early January it felt like they needed to kind of bolster up their backcourt play and get some complimentary assistance to their outside shooting, their outside scoring, and Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith. Brandon Newman yesterday leads him in 19. That's yeah. really good news Huge. for Purdue. Huge, And he was the spark right away. I mean, both ends of the floor, he brought it. Um, he was huge. And this you've almost kind of been waiting for this, Jake, throughout his career. I mean, he was a decently highly rated recruit. I think he was a runner-up to to trace uh, for you know Mr. Basketball in this state and you felt like he can provide you that scoring punch and you know something that I brought up like I don't know this is probably going back at least a month ago Jake I was wondering wouldn't it be well served for Purdue to have a game coming up where Zach Eady's just saddled foul trouble just he gets two early in the first half and then he gets a couple more early in the second half and at the end of the game, Zach Eady's playing 18 minutes, and Purdue just has to overcome the central figure to everything, especially offensively for them. Yesterday was probably the closest it's been. Edie played, I think it was like eight minutes in the first half, got a couple fouls, and they were up 21 at half without him. And Foster Lawyer, um, or Fletcher Lawyer, he didn't he, he didn't hit a shot. In that first, I don't know if he even hit a shot for the game. So, when you think about the two most consistent guys, and obviously Edie not being on the floor, like you said, Brandon Newman, a huge part of that. And I just thought that was a nice kind of jolt and and having to play a little bit left-handed for Purdue to react to that. Of course, in the second half, that lead got away from him quickly, and Zach Edie had to make a National Player of the Year type of play to take the lead, and then Purdue was able to hold on. Ethan Morton did make a couple of big defensive plays. So, uh, it, it... yeah. I thought in both cases, Bloomington and and um, West Lafayette, you kind of got nice sentimental ends to the regular season. Senior day, the seniors step up in Bloomington, and when Purdue, they clinched the Big Ten title on the road Thursday, 
you want to cut down the nets after a win. And that's what they were able Not to do. Not if you're Tom Crean. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right? That is, that is well said. Yeah, the old, uh, was it Ohio State who beat Indiana yeah. for that one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about Zach Eady not needing the ladder yesterday to cut down his part of the net? It's beautiful. How great is that? Kevin, It Friday feels like a month ago, especially when you, you know, leave town for two days, come back, etc. So that feels like a long time ago, but it was not. But it's the first time that we've had a chance to talk since the quarterbacks. After we got off the air on Friday is when quarterbacks worked out at the Combine. By the way, my flight from... Um, when I flew down Friday for the St. Pete race, I went through Charlotte and my, it literally my entire flight was every defensive lineman from <laughs> the NFL combine. I sat next to a guy from central Michigan who was a linebacker slash edge or whatever. Um, but the story was the quarterback's workouts on Friday and I, I'm not going to say I told you so, but remember I said, I was like, you watch. We're going to go into this. Everybody's going to be talking about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And then I think Levis was the guy that I mentioned. But I'm like, Levis and Richardson both at the combine because they're so physical and they're such physical specimens are going to skyrocket up the boards. Is that what happened? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the tape is for Bryce Young, the combine's for Anthony Richardson, if you want to kind of boil it down to those two guys from a specific standpoint. I mean, Anthony Richardson looks like a defensive end. Hell, he sounds like a power four. He sounds like he's been in the NBA for about 15 years. He looks like a defensive end, um, tight end, however you want to describe it, and runs like a wideout. I mean, 240, I think it was 244 pounds and ran 4-4 in the 40. 40 and a half inches in the vertical jump. I don't think a quarterback's ever jumped like that. So, I mean, he is an absolute physical specimen at the quarterback spot. And now the question is going to be, how much do you need to fine-tune sounds like a good amount to have him be the type of thrower that is necessary the type of processor that is necessary at this level so yeah Richardson I think as expected uh put on a show CJ Stroud threw it very well again he's arguably the best passer you know in this class and for Bryce Young the question this week is more about weight uh he weighed in officially at 204 pounds so he was a hair over 510 and he was 204 pounds I didn't realize that those measurables are pretty much identical to Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray weighed in at 5'10 and 207 pounds. And Kyler Murray looks like an ant when he's on the field, right? He does. I also think Kyler Murray's like, I don't know, I, I feel like he looks a little bit different than Bryce Young. I mean, Bryce is a little bit more, I don't know, Kyler maybe carries more of that weight. And I don't think Bryce Young wants to play at that weight. Which how does how much does that matter? I think ideally he would play like 190 something. Right. Whereas I think Kyler Murray is a little bit more content playing at that weight. I would say the biggest thing from those four quarterbacks talking to the media on Friday um, was these are four guys in different ways that are very very confident. Um, in particular, Stroud, Levis, and Richardson, uh, they are outwardly confident I think part of that is you want to be coached up to do that I think agents believe the NFL teams kind of like that especially out of the quarterback position but those three um, boy in Richardson's case he's got confidence to match his frame and 
I mean, EJ Stroud or uh, EJ Stroud, CJ Stroud said he was the best player in college football over the last two years. Um, those three, Levis throwing in there as well, uh, very, very confident. Levis so. pretty confident in his arm, right? Yeah, and <clears throat> rightfully so, and understandably so. And again, I think not to get too like you know alpha ish, but I think that's what some teams are looking for out of that position. So the combine officially wrapped up yesterday. The running backs were the final group to go through drills. By all accounts, it seems like the national media was very complimentary of what Indianapolis did and how things were run. We'll have Joel Erickson on at 8 o'clock. I know he was over at the Peter King event with Shane Steichen on Friday. And so uh, we'll get Joel's thoughts on what he thought uh, from the combine. Bob Kravitz going to join us at 9 o'clock. You know, the... The Richardson thing is intriguing, Kevin, because you can look at – there's precedent really on both sides. I guess this is true for any quarterback. But there's reason to be cautious and there's reason to be optimistic. Do you buy into a guy that his physical stature – Cam Newton comes to mind because he was a guy that Cam Newton – didn't play a lot in college until that last year, was unbelievably dynamic at Auburn, becomes the number one pick, was a nightmare matchup for teams, was an MVP, took his team to the Super Bowl. For whatever reason, people feel like he fell short. I think his body just broke down because of the way he played. Uh, Andrew Luck. I mean, Andrew Luck came in, and there was much more ballyhoo, obviously, around Andrew Luck because he had played so many games in college. But his body, his durability, his ability to run, ultimately his body kind of broke down for him. His style of play probably had something to do with that. Then there's, you know, Jamarcus Russell. Didn't play a lot, but people fell in love with him because of the combine and what he was able to do, and he was the biggest bust ever. Like, literally, the guy didn't – he's like – and I don't blame guys for this, but it happens. Hey, I went through the rigors of the combine and improving my – if – the one thing that has always given me pause is guys that have to work so hard to put themselves on the map or put themselves in the discussion through the process. Because you wonder sometimes if it doesn't mentally exhaust them to the point where then they get that first contract and they're like, I'm good. And that happens at all sports. I don't know that there's any way to predict it, what happens when guys get that first contract. But... Um, you know, that's the question mark. Which way does it go? You know, the whole Richardson debate to me will be just fascinating. And let's just take the Colts, for example. Do you think Jim Mercer, Chris Boward, and company view themselves in a position to where we can be patient with Richardson? Because by all accounts, I think a lot of people believe it's going to be a redshirt year, and then it's going to be a year of starting. And that's going to have growing pains. So you're looking at like 2025 before you really feel, and maybe even deeper than that, to where you really feel like you potentially have something. Well, in the year 2025, where's Jonathan Taylor's shelf life as a running back? Right. How old's Quentin Nelson? What's Shaquille Leonard's back looking like? DeForest Buckner's north of 30. Um, Whereas a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young... I think both of them are viewed as a, sure, there's development, but you could have a type of early rookie contract quarterback success like we've seen from other teams. 
um, here over the last handful of seasons. Young so, and Stroud feel like the two plug-and-play guys, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and receive impact from them you know, pretty early. Uh, Richardson is going to be one where, boy, if Chris Bowers' leash could get any longer, if you make that pick, it would be longer. Levi, that's a good point. Levis feels like he he could be Heath Shuler. Yeah, Levis is probably a little bit of a hybrid. Um, again, some you know coaching staff injury stuff around could him. Be, could uh, he be Daniel Jones? Yeah, I, I yeah I I think there is some of that. I think some people believe you know maybe you know bigger arm than Jones. Um, again, we'll see exactly how much just kind of the the atmosphere around Kentucky held him back, if if any. Uh, but certainly Richardson is going to be a guy that the franchise that drafts him, they have got to be fully committed to major development and molding him out of what is extremely impressive, you know, clay uh, of what he was able to put up at the combine. Again, Joel Erickson at eight, Bob Kravitz at nine. It is a really nice Monday morning here in Indianapolis. High temperature around 70 today that is march 6 we do have some sectional championships coming up tonight uh, particularly in the northern part of the state as they got some snow on friday we'll look ahead to the regionals coming up this weekend again the big 10 tournament is in chicago speaking of chicago some fireworks yesterday from tyrese halliburton late he hits a three with about five seconds to go something like that maybe if, if a couple seconds less than that. 125-122. And gentlemen, don't look now. The Pacers have 29 wins. <laughs> you need one more or you need two more? I need one more. One more. I need one and uh, what's that look like? One and what, 17 down the stretch? And they got Houston Thursday. One and 16? Yeah, right? I, think, I think by the end of the week you'll be... Uh... Raising the roof on Friday morning. So wait a minute. Can so you this, do the heavy lifting tonight for me? I'll try. I'll so do this my damnedest. Becomes, this becomes a draw because Mark and I both owe you a six-pack of beer. You have yet to say what beer it is that you want. Oh, but, Shane Steichen was throwing some bourbon out there with us, I believe. Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, and then maybe, was Shane Steichen trying to subliminally tell us that he prefers things from Kentucky? Is that it? <laughs> I think that's a that's a that's a really deep read into it. Well, I'm just saying. Shane Steichen's all ball. Um, so if if you if we owe you that beer, but then if you win your money, you're buying us beer. Oh, according so, to who? Well, we just made that up. So so it's a draw, right? So we're all back to square that one. It seems to be that those would be two. Uh, you guys would be getting two positives out of this, and I'd be getting two negatives out of this, and that. You have not followed through on your bet with the six packs, and then all of a sudden, I would be also handing you some beer. The the six this. pack was based on on Shane Sykin's hire, right? Correct. Yes, our our snake draft from about a month ago. So I feel like we kind of since he's coming from Pennsylvania, but he's a California guy, right? Isn't he a native of California? What is Rolling Rock in Latrobe, Pennsylvania? It is. Am I imagining things? It is. So when I was in college, Rolling Rock was considered, by the way, like a the upper crust beer. Was it for you guys? Uh, I I wouldn't say that, but bottle Rolling Rock a thousand times better than canned Rolling Rock. Mm-hmm. Rolling Rock, by the way, if you go to Canada, Rolling Rock is to them well, like you know how here people are like oh you know good Canadian beer like Labatt's or Moosehead. You go to Canada and every bar in Toronto has Rolling Rock on draft. Really? It's weird, but um. I was thinking we could, or Racer 5, which is a really good California beer. Like, if I could get you Racer 5, would sure. you be cool with that? I mean, I, I'm, I mean, at this point, I'll take a six-pack of O'Doul's. Racer 5 and IPA. Do you like IDAs? 
Or IPA? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I offered you a six-pack of Four loco, and you said you didn't want to have to go to the doctor afterwards. <laughs> well, I think that's the guy from Illinois, right? Didn't he? Matthew Meyer or whatever. Yeah. He said that he, he had drank too many energy drinks. four or five Locos playing video games, and he was ill. Well, <laughs> shockingly, yeah. Better than Michael Myers that. from Illinois. That guy was a handful. Uh, but watching the Pacers at, at the end he of that game. issues. <laughs> he was loco, all right. <laughs> there are a lot of positives exiting this Pacers season. And, I mean, I mean, hell, right now I think there's a game and a half back of the play-in, which I know there are some fans kind of torn on whether they want to see them in that or not. Jake, I think one of the things you can point to at the end of the year is they seem to have a closer. In Halliburton. Correct. And you think back to last season, they were so awful late in games trying to find the clutch plays. I mean, last night, that possession is going nowhere, and Halliburton, really from one step inside the logo, hits that shot. He also had a couple of assists before that on the Matherin dunk and on the Buddy Heald three. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, when he was traded here and he had such a great end of last season, the next questions were like, okay, uh, was that just kind of a trade deadline jolt, or is this going to be an all-star type player? And now, all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. Do the Pacers have a go-to guy late? Because when you get in the playoffs, and naturally teams scout the hell out of you, and they take away everything that you do well, you just have to have individual creators. We just have to have a guy that's better than that guy. One-on-one matchups, can that guy go get a bucket? And Halliburton, I think, has shown, certainly as an assist guy, but also a little bit as a just late game, whatever, shot maker, that he can do that. And I think that is another positive that you have to look at with this season. My friend, Michael Weir, who's the lead singer of the elect, by the way, they're going to be playing this weekend, I think um, the 11th, I believe the noodle. But he's a numbers guy. He loves basketball stats. Sent me this yesterday. I think it's a great stat. He said, Jake, the Pacers are now 4-16 and in games that Halliburton or Turner don't play. Or if both don't play, they are twenty-five and twenty in games that Halliburton and Turner both play. And then he put, "It's really that simple." And and what does that tell me, Jake? That those two are very important, and that you also need one major piece. Because there's inevitably times throughout a year where guys are going to miss multiple weeks, and you've got to be able to overcome that and make sure that the ship stays stays somewhat steady. Because obviously especially when Halliburton was out for that three-week stretch or whatever, and they went 2-11. and 11 or um, It's so critical to make sure that you still have some other guys that can support when your lead ones are out. So the Pacers go 3-1 and one in that road trip. Like we've said, they've got the 76ers tonight over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse and the Rockets coming up on Thursday. All right, it is a very nice start to this week here in Indianapolis. The Combine is over. We'll talk about that. Uh, Looks like the Colts have made a couple of other staff changes. We should pretty much have a finalized staff, I would think, by some point this week, so we'll hit on that. They actually have a guy that I don't think Jake Query is too fond of on the coaching staff. We'll explain that coming up Hmm. here in a little bit. Joel Erickson at 8, Bob Kravitz at 9. Good Monday morning to you. Kevin Aquari right here on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. College basketball yesterday, 75-73. It's Indiana over Michigan. The 15th-ranked Hoosiers earned themselves a double bye in the Big Ten Tournament. Trace Jackson Davis with 27. Race Thompson, 16 points and 10 boards. Jalen Hood, Shafino with 13. Quite frankly, Kevin, I think Race Thompson was a big one yesterday because 
look, you know what you're getting out of those other two, right? More often than not, Hutchfino's got to shoot the ball from the outside. But um, Indiana, like like we've always said, you know, the way that Race Thompson can complement underneath Trace Jackson Davis is certainly going to be of help. But your other point, I think, is a really good one. You got to get your outside shooter shooting the ball well. Yeah, and yesterday you overcome Miller Cop, Trey Galloway not shooting the ball well. Race Thompson also had four steals. Mentioned this earlier on Senior Day in Bloomington. Your seniors had all six points in overtime. Again, Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis both made some huge plays on the defensive end of the floor. Race did miss several free throws in OT and trying to ice it, but still, your seniors were the ones that made those plays for you to get the lead in OT and hold on. Here was Trace Jackson Davis after his final game in Bloomington. Uh, it was great. Um, I know Miller. Miller was uh, down on himself a little bit after he missed a few shots, and I told him that big one was coming. And um, I saw him in the corner, and he hit a huge one for us um, that we really needed. And so I know that kind of got his mind off of that. But um, it was just it was awesome to see. Um, and Coach Woody kind of put us into that situation too, where he was basically telling us that the seniors are going to have to lead. Um, he told that told that to us in practice, and so. Um, just going out on the court and just leading and doing what we do. Obviously, the other guys really helped us. Fino helped us along. Um, Trey, Malik, um, their Tamar came in and did some good things as well. But um, just down the stretch, um, leaders got to lead, and that's what we did. As Jake said, the three seed for Indiana coming up Friday night. That is from the United Center. Uh, Maryland is the six seed if you're looking for a potential uh, matchup there in the quarterfinals. Purdue is the one seed. They beat Illinois 76-71, a 21-point halftime lead for the Boilers yesterday. Brandon Newman was outstanding in the first half with Zach Eady. Saddle with foul trouble. Uh, things got away from him, though, in the second half. Eady had to hit a shot there with about just over a minute to go to retake the lead, and then Ethan Morton made some big defensive plays for Purdue as they finished the Big Ten season 15-5. and Jake, what do you think? Two wins in the Big Ten tournament clinches the one, a one seed for them. Do they need to get to the championship game? Well, that's they need to get to the championship game probably, which and would, then which would be two wins, just right. And then, and then the result is irrelevant because I've always said the Big Ten, and maybe this is by design by the Big Ten. I have no idea, but the Big Ten tournament always. I assume it's again the case. What what time is the Big Ten championship game? Yeah, it's usually like that three fifteen game on Sunday or something. So. Like that. The results are, I mean, they literally go from the results into the tournament selection show. So they have the Big Ten, if there's a Big Ten team that is in play for a number one seed going into, that is playing in the Big Ten championship game, that's the, it is the assumption they're going to win the Big Ten championship because they always kind of take out that game, if you will. Yeah, I saw the committee, Chris Reynolds actually mentioned this yesterday, contingency plans are in place for the Sunday games. When you get, you know, Do you get to Sunday and, and do you get to the 3 o'clock window and do you say, alright, here's our bracket if Purdue wins the Big Ten tournament. You know, here's our bracket if not. I, I tend to think Purdue, if they get to Sunday, that should be enough for them. I, I would agree with that. That's two more wins away right. from home. I, I mean, th- their resume already is really strong. So, nothing until Friday for both Purdue and Indiana. <laughs> Uh, In the association last night, the Pacers 125-122 over the Chicago Bulls. Tyrese Halliburton, game-winning three with just under three seconds left. He had 29. And the statue, did you guys, had things been held off on the Benedict Matherin statue for a while there? Uh, no, I think, you know, we just simply, you know, back orders with, you know, everything going on right now from a shipping standpoint around the world. We just (laughs) had to make sure we were just checking all of our boxes. Okay. Uh, Well, 17 for Matherin. Zach Levine did have 42 for the Bulls. 
Uh, other winners last night, by the way, Phoenix, the Lakers, Nets, Blazers, Rockets, Thunder, Knicks, Bucks, and Clippers. The Philadelphia 76ers at the field tonight take on the pace. Seven and a half point underdog Indiana is at home. Jake, we'll conclude with where you were this weekend. The St. Pete race, Pato Ward looked like he was going to win, and then well, a little bit of a power issue late in the race. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you what. The main straightaway, a couple laps to go. Marcus Erickson was trying to reel in Pato Award and... Uh, Award just went off throttle for a second there. I mean, I'm not saying he, but his car. And Erickson went sailing past. Scott Dixon was right there as well, Erickson's teammate. So Marcus Erickson, last year's Indianapolis 500 winner, uh, starts out the season with a win. The race was kind of mired by some really, I mean, big multi-car crashes, including right at the beginning of the race that took out teammates Elio Castroneves and Simon Pagino. Devlin DeFrancesco was taken out. Uh, Benjamin Peterson was taken out. Santino Ferrucci. So yeah, our guy Ferrucci. That's right. Uh, Jack Harvey also was involved in a pretty bad crash. Was a little dazed and confused. But the good news is no injuries yesterday. So April second is the next IndyCar race that'll be in Texas. So a little bit of a break before a busy month of April and May. All right, uh, Bob Kravitz going to join us at 9, Joel Erickson at 8. Again, it's a really nice start to this Monday morning here in Indianapolis. If you can, enjoy the temperature today as the rest of the week looks much, much cooler. Kevin Aquari, coming up next, Colts have made a special teams coordinator higher. don't think he's too high on the Jake Query list of favorites, though. We'll- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Play more coming up next. For those that missed it uh, on Friday in the nine o'clock hour, we had Shane Steichen and Ryan Grigson both join us. Uh, those interviews up on our podcast page, Kevin and Query. Uh, a question that I asked Shane Steichen, Jake, was regarding Bubba Ventrone and him not returning a special teams coordinator. Um, I think Shane pretty much said that the opportunity in Cleveland a little bit sweeter. From a promotion standpoint, assistant head coach he is with the Browns on Kevin Stefanski's staff. And, you know, we've talked about Bubba Ventrone being from Pittsburgh. It's a little bit closer to home. Played for the Browns as well. Uh, The Colts have a new special teams coordinator hire. Jake, when you think back to some dark moments in the Clemson football season, what comes to mind? Oh, boy. Uh, in this past season? Yeah, just this past season. Not going to act like Clemson went, you know, 6-6 and or anything, but... You know, there there's probably one night in particular where it wasn't a great one for you. You know, their entire bowl game against Tennessee would be one, but probably the bigger would be, and in the end, I think it did them a favor, but Clemson had one loss on the season and was still in contention for uh, a bid into the college football playoff, which thank goodness probably in hindsight they didn't get in because they would have been humiliated. But losing to South Carolina at home was pretty egregious. Ooh, I thought you might go for the old blowout in South Bend. Well, that was that was the night of at least my buddy Matt Churchman's 50th birthday, which I guess softened the blow just a little bit. But uh, that was brutal, yeah. And it started with, of course, the blocked punt for a touchdown. 
And that was a common theme for Notre Dame this season. Brian Mason, their special teams coach. Um, I had actually kind of forgotten that date, Kevin, so that probably answers your yeah. question. Well, a lot of us wanted to forget your rendition of the fight song that, that Monday morning. Oh, I remember that. After, that was fun. Oh, no, I got a lot that. of good reviews on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They asked me to sing the anthem at the Fieldhouse shortly after. Beg to differ on that one. Uh, Brian Mason, the Notre Dame special teams coordinator, off to become the Colts special teams. Hail, hail to old Notre Dame. One title since 88. Brian Mason is a Zionsville native, so certainly Midwest Colts-centric ties and fandom. Um, But he's a guy that, like we said, Notre Dame special teams unit was easily a playmaking type of group for them this season, particularly that pump block unit. They had seven guys block punts, or I think six guys block seven uh, punts this past season. Before Notre Dame, Mason was at Cincinnati with Luke Fickle. I mentioned before on the show, Chris Bauer thinks very highly of Luke Fickle and, and that Cincinnati program. In general, of course, they drafted a couple Cincinnati guys last season. So with this staff, Jake, it's a common theme. You, especially on offense, and now with their special teams coordinator hire, there is not a lot of NFL experience on this staff. Outside of the defense, Gus Bradley and, and, and that group, a lot of experience there. But offensively, and with the special teams coordinator hire, Brian Mason, I should probably double-check it, but I don't believe he's ever worked in the NFL. Um, it is a very young-slash-inexperienced staff around Shane Steichen. But I don't think of – it's funny because I'm, I'm older and I'm going to make a young statement. I, I don't think you have to have like long-standing old guard NFL experience on your roster to be effective. You know, like like probably younger. I, I think things are kind of moving towards and we've seen that the NFL has kind of trended anyway towards new, more innovative, kind of sexier style of play. The old, I, You know, I don't – that, so that doesn't bother me so much. Yeah, it, it's I, I don't I don't bring it up because it bothers me. Right? No, I, I do. I want to make that clear. I, I just think it's an interesting thing to point out. I do think, and maybe Gus Bradley is this. I do think there's an element when you're a young first time head coach, making sure you have some nice sounding boards around you is important. And look at Sean McVay with the Rams. He had Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator. I mean, you talk about. You know, a guy that's older and a guy that's been around the NFL for a long, long time. Wade Phillips certainly qualified as that. Um, the offensive line hire is probably the interesting one to me. Tony Soprano Jr., never been a full-time O-line coach in the league. Um, his assistant O-line coach is Chris Watt, who played at Notre Dame. Again, was a grad assistant at Notre Dame last year. So that group doesn't have a lot of experience. Do you feel like you need that in trying to inject some life in the Braden Smith and, and Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly? I don't know. That, that That's the one area where I'd point to and say, you know, did you need a little bit more vet there than what they went with? Uh, but again, we should see a coaching staff finalized here coming up this week for Brian Mason. Free agency is a week from Wednesday. So we are about to get, really it starts tomorrow. Tomorrow's the franchise tag deadline. We'll talk with Joel Erickson about that coming up here in about 10 minutes. But free agency is nine days away and um, I think as the week moves along, we can certainly get into, do you think any of these free agents will be re-signed before the new league year starts? You know a question I asked on Twitter? Uh, I think it was Saturday. When We're talking about like young young coaches, old coaches, etc. You guys both seen the movie E.T., right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll begin with you, Kevin, and then I'll get your question mark or your answer on this. You think E.T. 
like back home, wherever it was, home was, was E.T. a child, a teenager, like a young adult, like say your age, or a senior citizen? Uh, I'll go teen. That's what you always assumed? Teen to... I don't know. What do you think, no, Mark? No. When you watched it, when you first watched ET, you I feel were like under... I watched it at that age, so I think teen. But I don't know. I could be okay, Mark. I feel like again, I yeah, I like Kevin. I watched it when I was a kid, so I think I always assumed it was like a child, as well. See, it's interesting because I watched it as a child. I mean, I was nine when it came out. I saw it in the theater. Everyone saw it in the theater, and I felt like he was an adult because he. Like, he's the one that figured out how to get the message back home. And then he had, like, a a leadership-type role to them. When he's, when he's leaving, he's the one that had kind of the maturity of understanding and relaying to the kids, like, what it meant emotionally that he was leaving and that he had to go and whatever else. But I think people, if they see the movie for the first time as an adult, they see him as a child. I don't, think I, ever like really, drinks, I don't think I ever really thought of his age, to be quite honest, when I watched the movie. Because you always just kind of assumed, like, it's weird. Like, when I thought about it, I thought, you know what, it's weird because it's never defined, and so everybody as they're watching it has their own interpretation or just automatic understanding of his age, but that oscillates depending on upon the age of which you first saw it. I think it's all subjective. And I think to an extent, Kevin, crazy as it sounds... When it comes to the age and experience level of like NFL coaches, part of that also I think is relative to the age of the person that's critiquing it. Because if you were old enough to remember back when like the Vince, you know, I'm sure older people are like, I want my coach being like Vince Lombardi or, you know, old school, crusted, whatever. And then younger people are like, nah, man, I want Sean McVay. He's cool. Like he'd be cool to play for. It's all relative. And I, if you want to stereotype each side of the ball, and Shane Sacken's done this, you would think more young and innovation offensively. Whereas a little bit, you know, older experience defensively, and that's exactly what Shane Steichen has built here so far. So again, franchise tag deadline tomorrow. I would guess no on the Colts using it. They have not used it since Pat McAfee in twenty thirteen. Free agency a week from Wednesday. And a week from today is the start of the legal tampering period. So um we're gonna get some action here. The combine I, I wanna say was pushed back a week maybe a couple years ago so really when the combine ends free agency it's, if it's like, legal boom. tampering it's not tampering right i know the nfl always has some weird I mean, language that's with the that. dumbest thing ever legal tampering by the way I, this poll nearly a thousand people voting 26 people say he's a child 26 percent excuse me said he's a child 24 percent say he's a teen 20 percent say he's a senior citizen 30 percent say he's a young look adult. at that house divided i'm telling you like it's it's fascinating it's it really I think it's fascinating. Uh, Joel Erickson going to join us here in about five minutes. Bob Kravitz coming up at nine o'clock. Again, we'll get a little bit more into the combine thoughts uh, and certainly look ahead to what is the NCAA tournament selection process. How about this time next week? We will have a bracket. Again, you talk about something that's just like boom. Um, happens pretty now, quickly. Now this here. time, can we get for our numbers game? Because we still owe uh, Darnell. Can can we get actual legit prizes? You think this time this year uh, we have plenty of time heading out, right? I think can the we- only way that's going to happen is if you somehow again ask me to use some of my winnings here with the Pacers getting to thirty wins, like you're doing for the PVR party. 
Like the numbers game presented by, and then boom, and then we give away a prize. Now, Darnell won a couple, right? Yeah. Indy 500. He won Indy 500, and so Darnell is owed like an entire dinner. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, right? That's right. Uh, So, yes, we'll have a bracket coming up next Monday. Again, the Big Ten Tournament this weekend. Indiana three seed. They'll play the night game, the late one from Chicago, 9 o'clock approximately. Coming up on Friday, Purdue will be a noon tip from the United Center. So a lot to get to here on a very nice Monday morning in Indianapolis. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton right here on 93.5-107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 8 o'clock hour underway. Jake Quarry here along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. Good-looking start to the day, as a matter of fact. Sun's starting to rise a little bit earlier, which is, you know, that happens every year this time of year. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline is Joel A. Erickson, who joins us from the Indianapolis Star, fresh off the NFL Combine. Joel, I'm going to begin by asking this. The quarterbacks, the last time that we did this show was the day that the quarterbacks were getting ready to not only talk to the media, but throw obviously Anthony Richardson from a physical standpoint had like a DK Metcalf type performance where everybody's like wow this guy's in unbelievable shape did the quarterback presentations cloud things for the Colts or do you think start to make things much more clear for them in terms of what avenue they may be thinking so what I keep thinking after hearing Shane Steichen talk last week is that the, the most important stuff that the Colts are going to learn and the stuff that maybe sways him, make, gives him a leader in the clubhouse, is stuff that we can't see, which, I mean, that's not, that's not great. We'd love, to, we'd love to be able to read it and, and do something and kind of go off the workouts. But Steichen kept talking about how he wants the quarterback to have, have this obsessiveness about his craft, this, this obsession where he's, He's just desperate to get better, and he's always in the office working. And he didn't just say it in his press conference with us. I went to uh, Sun King Brewery uh, on uh, on Friday night to a Peter King event where Steichen was talking just briefly, and it came up twice again there. And I think that uh, that's that's probably the, the this quarterback thing has sort of entered uh, to borrow a phrase from somebody I saw on Twitter, the dark side of the moon here, where. The Colts are, are doing stuff interview-wise, and they will be doing stuff interview-wise and talking to people over the next couple of months. And it's going to be really hard for us to put our fingers on that. And that might end up being the thing that, that ends up pushing somebody way higher on the board than, than we realize. I know you wrote about this, so I encourage everyone to head to IndyStar.com if they haven't to read Joel's piece from that Peter King event over at Sun King. I'm going to guess that Shane Steichen, the environment of a brewery, did not really uh, bring out anything else from Shane Steichen. It was probably a lot of all ball <laughs> talk from him. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, it was. It's funny because um, I, I think at that I, I think at that event, King tries to get like a little bit of a personal side of somebody, and you know, he opened it up by asking Steichen about this game where he threw five touchdown passes as a senior kind of coming off the bench and uh, was trying to, I think he was trying to go for like, what, what does it feel like to have that moment when your college career didn't go the way you wanted to? And Steichen res- responded with a play call um, and something that they found in, in film and how it, uh, 
how, how he used it to, to throw one of the touchdown passes, and that's what he remembered. And he kind of did that a couple of different times where he just kept, like, all of a sudden he'll just he'll just slip right into X's and O's talk. And, and honestly, the rest of it was a lot of the stuff that we heard uh, from the podium uh, in terms of just what, you know, what they're going to do at quarterback, that kind of thing, what his evaluation is. It, was, it wasn't anything new. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, someone said, give me your best Philip Rivers story. And obviously – there's a lot of good football stories with Philip Rivers, but Philip's also a pretty funny and uh, personable guy. And it went right to him and him and Rivers arguing about whether or not uh, they could tell if the Steelers were going to blitz based on the stripe of a helmet. And then Rivers being right, but only because he uh, he'd, he'd been able to figure out their their uh, calls at the line and was just you know reading it off of what the linebacker said. I think the thing that's interesting, Joel, about and we've said this a lot. The thing that's interesting about Steichen is that he has background in working with different quarterbacks, right? Different styles. So it looks like you know you're a little bit more safe than somebody who is only used to to, to running one system, so to speak. But with the different quarterbacks that threw or, or that will throw for them. But let's go to the combine itself, and, and Kevin, feel free to jump in on this because I've always wondered this. When the quarterbacks throw at the combine, do they select the receivers they're throwing to? Or is it just... Uh, no, I don't believe they do. So the reason I ask is because, you know, it would be advantageous, obviously. Like Richardson, you would imagine there are some receivers from Florida or guys that he is familiar with that he's throwing to. And likewise, you would, for the receivers, I've always wondered this. Are the receivers told... Or are there different setups that are that are? In other words, you want to see the quarterback in every single situation, right? So are they ever told like, "Hey, kind of you know, underrun this route or whatever else" to see how the quarterback adjusts to it? Or is it simply a matter of go out and you guys both do everything perfectly? Well, I think I think it's the second one, but I think what Chris Ballard said, not on the podium, but kind of off the side, he was asked about this the other day, and it's, it's instructive here. It's just. He was asked, "How much do you pay, pay attention to this stuff?" And he said, "Let's let's be real. They're throwing on air to a bunch of guys they've never thrown to before." Okay, yeah, I mean, because I think personally that does that is a factor, is it not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, not knowing where a receiver is going to be. I, I know I saw one. I, I know there was a one throw with uh, with C.J. Stroud where he threw this gorgeous moon ball, um, deep ball down the field, and I, I thought the receiver botched it. So it goes as an incompletion for Stroud, but I thought that the receiver just botched the play. Um, and and you right. Know, whereas the, whereas if he's throwing that to an Ohio State guy, that guy has a better understanding of like the. Tr- Does that make sense? What I'm saying? I think that's why yeah, the throwing absolutely. means so little at the combine. Yeah, that's fair. It, it just means so little to. I mean, sure, if the guy's super erratic, then then maybe it would matter. But it, it just I don't think if you're going to make a pie of like slice it up into what the throwing of the combine means i'd say it's like 0.5 percent of the profile in these guys maybe that's way too low but that's what i would think no i i think i think that that's probably i think that's probably definitely true i mean i think for like a guy like steichen who's been you know coaching the eagles and then hiring his staff i think it's probably he probably wants to see the motion a little bit more because he's not a scout. But if you're Chris Ballard or the guys uh, in the or, or the guys in, in the Colts front office who've been scouted, like they've seen these guys play a bunch of times. You know, it, it's not like 
it's not like they, they need to see them throw for the first time. They've already seen them play. I, I would guess Ballard has probably seen most of them from the sideline at least once mm-hmm. by yeah. this point. So so what they do, and this, this is the other thing I was thinking about. You know, KB and I are both pretty close training camp watchers uh, whenever practice starts up, and we try to take, keep track of the quarterbacks. But KB, have you ever have you ever taken notes on the routes on air? No, no, I've not. No, no. Neither <laughs> have I. No. I don't take notes on the routes on air either. <laughs> and I was just thinking, if I'm not doing that, I, I wonder if it if it matters that much to NFL teams. Yeah, I think five percent is is probably a good uh, probably a good number, maybe even lower. Uh, Joel A. Erickson from the Star. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Some great coverage from the Combine up on the Indy Star website. Joel, shifting gears just a little bit, franchise tag deadline tomorrow. Uh, let's start here before I throw a follow-up at you. I assume, uh, and I apologize for kind of inserting myself into your brain here, but I assume you don't <laughs> think the Colts will use the franchise tag? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, the the they... The the guys that, that might fall into that are guys that you think, you know, like a Bobby Okereke, um is a guy where you already have you have the emergences of your Franklin and and the hopeful return of Shaq Leonard. So I don't know that you'd use the the franchise tag the way other teams if you, need to. If you don't mind, talk us through your thought process in the Okereke free agency and the Yannick Ngakwe free agency. Okay, so with Okereke, I think the one position where it's really hard to have any issues with what Chris Ballard's been able to do in the draft as linebacker. Definitely. Um, you know, Anthony Walker turned into a, a really good player um, despite some physical limitations. Okereke's been really good. Dyer Franklin took a little while and then, you know, had it blew up this season. Obviously, there's Leonard. EJ Speed's been, been solid as a strong side linebacker. I, if it was me, I would feel like as much as you like what Bobby Okereke can do, I feel like, and you have two starters. You have there's only two two there's only two real starters at linebacker in the NFL anymore, and you're expecting to have two starters. So I, I feel like I can replace some of that depth in the middle route because he's done it over and over again. I just and feel like with, oh, go ahead, Joel. And then with Ngakwe, he'd have to be he'd have to be pretty cheap for me. I I. I know Ballard said he had a he had a really good year last year. Um, according to uh, Sports Info Solutions, which is the, what I use for pressures and stuff like that, he had eleven fewer pressures than Buckner. Um, I, I didn't, and that, that shouldn't be the case. The edge rusher should have way more than the tackle. Um, so it would have to be it would have to be a discount for me. It just would. Devil's advocate. On Ngakwe, and I totally hear consistent pressure was a concern for me with him last year. Fourth quarter pressure was a concern for me as well. He's missed four games in seven NFL seasons. Quiddy Pays missed seven games in two years. Would his durability, his availability matter at all? Well, I think it helps him. I think it helps him, but I just don't know what price point he's going to get because I keep thinking this with like Paris Campbell, too. It's not a great free agent list. Um, in fact, it's it's a pretty bad free agent list as far as I can tell uh, at most positions. And I wonder if that drives up prices. You know, Ballard always talks about how um, you know you get you get B players a money in free agency. 
based on a lot of the free agent lists I've seen, I, I start, I, I'm wondering if you're getting like C players getting A money this year because people have money to spend and, and want to spend it. And, you know, like especially wide receiver is, is just barren as far as, as far as big time players. I know at defensive end, it's kind of the same way. Like I know Marcus Davenport's in there from the Saints. Marcus Davenport's a really, really hard evaluation because when he's on the field, he's, he's really good. He's just not on the field very often. Hey, Joel, talk me off this ledge. You ready? Okay. My, my concern for the Colts is this. Their best players, running back, middle linebacker of healthy, uh, second receiver, guard, maybe. Their best players are all guys that are probably right now have taken the first step into their prime, which means okay. you're going to get some good years from them. Don't get me wrong. But the most important position is one that, unless it is a total anomaly, is a minimum of two years from even showing consistent competency and three years from entering their prime, at which point all of the best players for the Colts are going to be now phasing towards their way out. And the timing just doesn't add up. Talk me off that ledge. Um. Well, you might get you you might end up getting some some of that with those guys. Uh, you also sort of have like Philadelphia is probably a good example of with like Quentin Nelson specifically. I've been thinking about this with Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith, who I think are, are the two offensive linemen that you feel like you know not great seasons last year, but you, you, there's reason to believe that they could be closer to their normal selves going forward. I just keep thinking about the Eagles in 2020 and how terrible that line was. And, you know, they, they had Jalen Hurts that year, so um, they had Jalen Hurts that year, so it's, it's a not perfect timeline, but, like, they rebuilt the line around those guys and got them to a point where they were still – and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson were kind of older. That was the, that's the, the corollary there. The Kelsey and, and Johnson are kind of the corollaries to Smith and, and Nelson. And those guys were older, and they, they kind of got it around – there's there's a way to, to rebuild the roster. The Eagles are sort of the example after having that horrible season uh, that they had in 2020 that, that you can kind of rebuild the roster and get those guys in there. I, do, do some of those guys maybe not play as big a role? I think that's possible, but if you're aggressive enough, I think you can make up for that. Now, whether or not the Colts are going to be aggressive enough, that's another question altogether. And Joel A. Erickson is with us here from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, Jake and I were talking a little bit about the coaching staff last segment. It's a very youthful and experienced group offensively. It's youthful at special teams coordinator and Brian Mason coming over from Notre Dame. Defensively, it's got much more of a veteran flair to it with Gus Bradley and company. Anybody or any specific trend staff-wise kind of jump jump out at you? The inexperience, what you kind of already hit on. Uh, when I was writing up the Mason thing and kind of looking at some of the backgrounds uh, of some of the guys, you know, there's there's three-ish, I think it's three guys on offense who are who have, who have extensive college backgrounds. You know, the running backs coach, Tom Manning. Um, and then, I've, and then this is, he didn't, he's, he's been in the NFL, but Tony Soprano Jr. has never been, a you know, an offensive line position coach. So, you're asking guys to to take the next step, um, and and some of them might. I mean, you know, the Eagles have a fairly young staff. A lot of their guys are guys who who ended up taking the next staff or the next step under them. Um, 
but you know, there's there's a lot of, of youth on that side of the ball, um, and, and it, I think it probably puts uh, some pressure on Shane, a little more pressure on Shane Steichen. There's not, there, I don't know that there's anybody on the on the, that side of the ball right now that I think, oh, that's that's your guy you um, can lean on. Now, I I don't know if I was an Eagles writer in in 2021 when. The, Sirianni hires Steichen. Am I saying the same thing? Uh, maybe. But they had Jeff Stoutland. You know, they have their offensive line coach who's, you know, revered across the NFL. So it's, it's so far as far as the offensive staff goes, I think they're kind of lacking that, like, Stoutland-type person um, in terms of it, – it it's a younger staff. And, and, and that's, that, you know, that could be good in terms of innovation. It could, it could be bad in terms of an experience. Joel, every year at the Joel A. Erickson is our guest. He's from the Indianapolis Stars on the Payless Stickers Hotline. Every year in any sport, really, whenever you have conventions, the Final Four, the Combine, you know, the the Winter Meetings, all those things, you kind of start to get a sense of the the percolation of new trends or things that were the the talk of the Combine, the talk of the Winter Meetings. What were they for this one, if anything? Well. Um, the presence of not, this this doesn't really touch on the Colts, but I think the presence of Derek Carr there um, ended up dominating it in, in ways. That, and, and the fact that he's already a, a free agent and, and teams could talk about him, you know, there were some some there were three different teams that ended up doing a significant portion of their media availability talking about a, a free agent, which doesn't usually happen. That was different. And then I thought about this, and I wrote about this when I wrote about C.J. Stroud, but I. I, I always sort of push back a little bit when people say, well, it's the, this, this shift towards mobility is new and we've never seen it before. And I'm like, I mean, they've always, I always kind of want to be like, well, there's been mobile quarterbacks, you know, going all the way back to Brand Tarkenton and Randall Cunningham and Steve Young and all those guys. But I thought the thing that struck me with Stroud's interview was that this might be the first time I can ever remember going to a quarterback interview at the Combine. And somebody suggests and several suggestions several questions suggesting that being a pocket passer is a bad thing and i thought that that was maybe maybe sort of a a sign that it's turned over or it's not just that there are mobile quarterbacks in the league but like the, you you never used to hear that you never used to hear well this guy's a pocket passer uh that might knock him down our board you know like I, I think about like the Trubisky draft. The Trubisky somehow goes before, and Trubisky's not like you know completely immobile. Obviously, he can move around, but I think he goes before Mahomes and Watson, and kind of had more of that you know natural passer. The way I remember it, had that in in here the way people talked about him. And now C.J. Stroud's up there trying to defend himself and saying, "No, I I can create, I can be mobile, I can move around in the pocket, and, and I can make some things happen with my legs." That felt different. Plus, just Anthony Richardson's candidacy for being a, the, the number one pick. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. If Anthony Richardson blew up the combine, I I was tr- going through great quarterbacks in my head and trying to think of somebody who had that kind of background as a college player where there's just nothing really notable as far as wins, as far as stats. Um, Tannehill. 
I said great quarterbacks. Well, but but what I'm saying is, you know, yeah. agreed. What a but, shot of Tannehill on this Monday but, but, morning. But Tannehill is one. When I think about quarterbacks that the combine elevated them based off uh, – let me give you the ones to your point, Joel. And I think Tannehill's been a fine quarterback. I know he's not a great quarterback, but he's, he's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. Trubisky. Trubisky's one that had a, a limited body of work, but the combine he threw accurately and everybody loved it. And, you know, he had a great body. And so he, Mahomes – Quite frankly, I, I don't know that a lot of people knew a lot about Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech. That was the first time I started hearing arm talent was at the combine. People were like, whoa, this guy threw like what? Like his he has a weird throwing motion that that's versatile. He's mobile. Um, you know, so Mahomes comes to mind, and then I, quite frankly, Malik Willis would be the other one. Last year, remember he he was kind of the only quarterback out there, but after the combine, there was a lot of intrigue about him as to whether or not teams would move up. And you always have a quarterback or two that it's almost like people talk themselves into them at the combine. Yeah, and I think I think we're going to see for a while now, I, think, I don't think it's just going to be this year, but I think we're going to see a Mahomes and Josh Allen effect on the draft for the next 10 years or so. Agreed. Um, where people are going, okay, he's not accurate, but Josh Allen fixed his accuracy. Or... You know, in the case of Mahomes, Mahomes had great numbers in terms of, you know, 41 touchdowns, I think, one year and 30 the other one. Um, but that, everyone kind of discounted that because of the offense. But he, he did have the great numbers. He didn't have the wins. And I think that that's probably going to happen where you're just looking for, you know, the physical gifts and you don't care as much about that stuff. But, um, the thing with Richardson that sticks out is that, like, even, even with Allen and Mahomes, at least they were two-year starters. You know, Richardson's just a one-year starter. Um, I, I saw people keep comparing him to Cam Newton, and uh, I get the physical comparison, but in terms of what they did in college, Cam faced all essentially all of the same issues that that Richardson faced at Florida, and he drug an eight uh, what should have been an eight win team to the national championship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just different. It's a different catalyst. It's so much projection with Richardson that I felt like that's just a he's he's almost a unicorn in terms of. Where he, where they're talking about him going, and and what his his background is in terms of production. Joel, last one, and thank you for the time here on this Monday morning. And this is a question that I know that you think about, and you'll probably be asked a ton in the next month and a half. And honestly, if the Colts are doing their job, <laughs> you won't know the right answer to this question. So, any gut feel, quarterback wise, pick four, trade up, any sort of gut feel in reading tea leaves that you have for the Colts right now and what they'll do with that first round pick? I I don't have a great gut feel and I think there's a specific reason. Uh, Jake already kind of hit on this. But normally you kind of go, okay, we know what Chris Ballard likes. We know what in the past we'd say we know what Frank Reich likes. We can have an idea of what the quarterback is. I don't think we actually know what Shane Steichen wants in terms of a prototype. Because the three quarterbacks he's had have been very, very different quarterbacks. Totally. And the stuff he, I, I mean, he says accuracy, he says, um, you know, decision making ability, he says, you know, ability to create. Okay, there, that's, that's, that's three things the obsessiveness, that's another one. But then he also said, I think you can teach accuracy in some cases. And when he talked about accuracy, he said, can you make the throw when someone's bearing down on you? So he left a little wiggle room in like what he thinks about accuracy there. He's he's sort of the wild card in this that's hard for me to know. I don't 
think we actually know what Shane Steichen's prototype is. And he's inevitably going to play a significant role in this decision. He has to. I mean, he's the one designing the offense for the guy and the guy, the one working with him in season on a day-in, day-out basis. I think that's what makes it the hardest for me is even after all the stuff we've asked him about quarterbacks, after all the stuff he said – I, I don't really know exactly. Well, Joe, what you know what I think is great? Is he wants. I, what I would be in, in, encouraged by if I'm a Colts fan, I don't know that Shane Steichen knows that. I think it's entirely possible that Shane Steichen's like, I don't know, man. I'm just a coach that can work with quarterbacks. So give me what you want me to work with, and I'll work with it. Now, yeah. obviously now, for the first time, he's going to have a hell of a lot more say in who that's going to be, and that's valuable, don't get me wrong, and that's to his advantage. But my point being, to this point, I don't know that Shane Steichen ever was able to make that determination. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think I think there is a part of Shane Steichen that's like, I think he's maybe, every coach says they tailor the offense to the quarterback. Some do a better job of it than others. Uh, some of them, some of them say they do it, and then they don't do it all. Um, I think the Chicago Bears have been through some of those. Um, but it really does seem like Shane Steichen has an offensive mind. Is a complete chameleon. He 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 really cares only about doing whatever is best for the quarterback, and I think that's probably the thing I would be most interested in and encouraged by if I'm a Colts fan. That whatever whatever the whichever guy they end up picking. The, the head coach is going to do whatever it takes to make that guy feel comfortable. Yeah, I think I tweeted out last week, Joel, like, if you're a Colts fan right now, I don't know how you can't be excited every time you hear Shane Steichen talk about his offensive approach. Just his open-mindedness, the modern you know nature to it, the, the throwing to score, all of that is very encouraging. And to your point, a lot of coaches say that, but I think his history has shown that he is – his actions lead to that as well, which stubbornness, I, I don't get that as a word that Shane Steichen kind of lives by with his approach offensively. Joel, thanks, man. I know it's a busy week, kind of, well, I guess a little bit of decompressing from the combine, but certainly getting ready for the start of free agency here in a, a little bit over a week. So thanks, man. Yep, yep. Thanks for having me on, as always, guys. Joel A. Erickson right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I did want to mention uh, that Peter King event. We had Peter on last Wednesday. Jake, they raised a hair over $14,000 over at Sun King for Teacher's Treasures. And for those that are unfamiliar with how that works, um, based off their community and corporate support, $1 raised equals $15 in school supplies. So you do that math. Over 216,000 will go directly into classrooms around um, the state of Indiana with what they're able to raise. So really, really cool to see Peter King, Shane Steichen, and company um, combine for that. It looked like a fun event, too. Yeah, it looked like a really crowded crowded house. What's your favorite Sun King? I love Wemac. Mark? Yeah, Wemac's my favorite. I go Pachanga. Wemac's good, too. I, in the wintertime, Osiris, but I can only do... Pachanga's a nice a nice staple, certainly. I, I think I feel like that maybe has taken over as second most popular behind Cream Ale. Yeah, Cream Ale. So the Luna, have you had Luna? It's like Pachanga Light. I don't think so. It's good. Uh, one thing to watch here over the next week or so, again, franchise tag deadline tomorrow, you're going to start to see teams make veteran cuts. And I think the Colts could be one of those. They have not been that team, but... I mean, you got to think Matt Ryan, Nick Foles. I mean, we'll no, see I mean, about any other 
names. Ryan Kelly, does he fall into that group? I think that will be something to monitor. But that will help set the free agent market here before things get underway next week. All right, let's uh, hit a morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll begin on the college hardwood yesterday. It was Purdue over Illinois, 76-71. Brandon Newman with 19. Zach Eady added 17. And Braden Smith, 15. As the Boilers, the Big Ten champions, they will be the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. And like Purdue, Indiana earned itself a double bye in the Big Ten tournament. Indiana 75-73 over Michigan yesterday. Trace Jackson Davis with 27. Race Thompson with a good one for Indiana at 16-10. And, and Jalen hood Shafino 13. Kevin, to your point for Indiana, if they want to advance here after getting that double bye in the Big Ten tournament, probably going to have to shore up that outside shooting. Yeah, you know, Miller Cop Trick Alley did not shoot it great yesterday at all, but um, their seniors were huge in overtime. They had all six points. Trace Jackson Davis had a couple assists. Big plays on the defensive end of the floor from Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis. So uh, wins to conclude the regular season for each of those two teams. And like you said, double buys mean we'll not see Purdue or Indiana hit the floor at the United Center until Friday. Purdue at noon, Indiana around 9 o'clock. You know what I think I'm going to do next year for the combine? I'm going to go just buy a hooded sweatshirt and get some tape and just put on my left chest, like, what position would I be? Quarterback? Probably. QB dash. Quarterback. That's some high praise. I was thinking maybe LS for long snapper. I mean, it's 6'4", right? Like, tight end? I'll stick with long snapper. Okay, LS dash 9. Just walk around, see if anybody... Maybe that way I can actually get him without a credential. Uh, Pacers over the Bulls yesterday, (laughs) 125-122. Tyrese Halliburton had the game-winning three with just under three seconds left. Indiana in action tonight, taking on the Sixers at the Fieldhouse. Uh, Rick Carlisle talked after the game. What did he say after the game here, Kevin? I think he was pleased with the road trip. Three and one on the road trip for the Pacers and the heroics yesterday from Halliburton. Well, what a game. I uh, thought uh, our second unit really was the key to this game. Chris, Ben, Isaiah gave us a great lift. O'Shea gave us a great lift. It was uh, it was up and down and all that kind of stuff. But uh, our guys kept hanging in. Ty and Tyrese just, just hit a hellacious shot. Five bench guys. Each of them scored six or more. You had three and double figures. Matherin with th- 17. Duarte had 15. O'Shea Bursette with 10. So Indiana, again, they've got Joel Embiid in the Sixers. They did not play yesterday, so no back-to-back. Philly does have a back-to-back tomorrow, so we'll see if they rest anybody. The Sixers right now, the three seed in the Eastern Conference. Speaking of Jake for getting his credential, Mark, I'm sure it will not shock you at all. That was the first thing he mentioned to me when he walked in this Oh, of morning. course. Of course. I still can't believe they didn't let me in. On well, it that, feels like a month ago. I'm just but. picturing 51-year-old Jake next year trying to get in as a quarterback. Like, Uncle Rico's walking around here <laughs> trying to sneak <laughs> it, in here. Didn't Eli Manning try and do that with Penn That's State right. earlier this That's year? That's right. Uh, St. Pete, Jake, Marcus Erickson, getting the W? Uh, Marcus Erickson, who, by the way, had... Uh, in his ear, his race strategist, Taylor Kyle, who formerly was a race strategist for Pata Award, and Marcus Erickson made a late pass of Pata Award to win the first race of the season in the IndyCar Series. Marcus Erickson, fourth career win. He, of course, won the Indy 500 a year ago. Huge crash at the beginning of the race, knocking out teammates Elio Castroneves. I can't even talk. Elio Castroneves and Simon Pagano. Um, that was a scary looking crash because Devlin DeFrancesco got serious turned air. sideways. Yeah, got some air, but fortunately everybody walked away a okay. There were other crashes in the race as 
the track just got really slick late in the race. And perhaps that's what Award was thinking. Um, that or he just lost power momentarily and Erickson went sailing past him. Scott Dixon in the top three as well. So a good start to the season. Bob Kravitz going to join us here at the top of the hour. We'll get us some basketball conversation coming up next. Kevin Aquarius on a beautiful Monday in Indy. Jake, still the craziness of the big... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 10. Um, yesterday, I just can't get over Northwestern Rutgers, the final game of the Big Ten regular season last night. And it was the difference for Northwestern between being the two-seed in the Big Ten tournament, which just saying that out loud, I feel like I'm. That doesn't make sense. Northwestern two seed in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, they were were that with a win and with a loss, they would have been the nine seed. Nine seed. They beat Rutgers, so they win. So the team that was picked to finish thirteenth in the conference is the two seed in the Big Ten tournament coming up this week in now, Chicago. Rutgers faces who in the Big Ten tournament opening round? It's Rutgers-Michigan, right? In the 8-9, the winner gets Purdue. doesn't that feel like... To me, it feels like that Rutgers-Michigan game is a tournament play-in game. Am I off base there? No, I I, I mean, I'd have to look a little closer at it just to be sure, but uh, based off what I've, you know, can think about their bubble statuses lately, um, I, I think that that's probably accurate. And, you know, you could probably make the argument... Certainly, if you might need one more. I mean, honestly, that 8-9 matchup is eerily similar to Indiana last year. When they faced Michigan in that first game, it was kind of one of those can't-lose games. You can't lose it. And Indiana had that big comeback, and then they beat Michigan, and or excuse me, they beat Illinois then in the second round when Curbelo missed that layup late. And then you see Indiana get slotted into the play-in game last year. And you think back and you think, wow, if Indiana would have lost to Illinois, would they have been out? And is that how Michigan and Rutgers views it to where not only do they need to win this game, but then would they need to win over Purdue in the quarterfinal to really cement the resume? Right now, Joe Lenardi, and I, and I realize, folks, I get it. When you're like, why are you... But Lenardi, I think, I don't know if he's fed, but he's usually pretty on i mean his seedings might be a little off but usually of the 68 teams he's got like 67 correct so it's a pretty good barometer right now he has as the last four buys so that means the last four that are you know like 11 seeds he has rutgers in as a last four buy he has michigan as fifth out so one would think so they need a lot but one would think that Michigan beating Rutgers, who he has in the field right now, would help them. Now, Mich- So maybe Michigan needs two more wins, and Rutgers just needs the one to cement themselves. And Purdue will play the winner of that game on Friday. Indiana's the three seed. That's a 9 o'clock tip, uh, approximately, coming up on Friday. Maryland is the six. So basically how it'll work for IU is Nebraska-Minnesota will play Wednesday. The winner of that will play Maryland on Thursday. The winner of that gets Indiana. So Indiana will either play Maryland, Nebraska, or Minnesota. Jake, we talked about this at the start of the show. To me, it's not even close. Indiana got the much better draw than Purdue. Agreed. That I, I That's hard to argue because Purdue has physical play awaiting them right out of the box, it feels like. 
and well, you know, Indiana's, it's funny because we think about Northwestern. You're like Indiana get Northwestern. That's getting the but they swept them, right? But again, Maryland away from home has just been such a just a just a totally different team than they are at home. They're not necessarily playing for the NCAA tournament lives either, compared to what you're going to get with potentially Michigan or Rutgers. You imagine telling a Big Ten fan at the start of the year, Jake. Yeah, when the Big Ten tournament comes around, uh, Northwestern's going to be the two seed, and Ohio State and Wisconsin are going to play on the opening night of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Or when the NCAA tournament's going to come around, Wisconsin's going to be the last buy-in, and Purdue's going to be hoping for a one seed. What? Purdue, by the way, off the one seed line now. Kansas, Alabama, UCLA, and Houston. The four number ones as it stands projected, I should say, right now. Uh, Purdue would be a two I would think probably the the most solid two or the the one two that's in play for a one. The other twos would be Baylor, Texas, and Arizona. So those Big Twelve and Pac twelve tournaments. Those are probably the two to watch if you're a Purdue fan and wanting Kansas and or UCLA to lose. Of course, there is that debate, Jake. Of you know, do you want to be the fourth number one seed and possibly be shipped out to Las Vegas? And then you get like a UCLA as the two, or the Air, or Arizona as a two. Would you rather be that, or would you rather be the top two seed and play a little bit closer to home? That's always a good question. Yeah, I mean, you know that. How big of a difference is the one versus the two? You mean in the NCAA tournament, right? Probably dependent to your point upon who the opponent is and where you're seated, right? I mean, if you're the two. If you're a two and you are placed in, to your point, like I don't in Houston's region, I didn't catch it, but yeah, Alaska. that's different than if you're the two and you got to go play Kansas and Kansas's region is in Kansas City. It just depends on where you are, I think, largely. Although I don't know that I'd want to be the one with Baylor as my number two. Are you guys coming over tomorrow night for Notre Dame? Five games and five nights to win the ACC tournament. Oh, really? Yeah, busy, busy <laughs> week at your house. Uh, why are you laughing? <laughs> I wish. I thought they got a pretty good draw. Can you I, like live stream that? All five nights? Yeah. No. Yeah. You just you watching the game. I would like to watch Kevin Bowen watching Notre Dame. Not a good performance. Are for you the literally Irish okay, this let me, weekend let me ask against you, Kevin, Clemson? Which are you more passionate about, Notre Dame football or basketball? Basketball. So foot, Notre Dame football to you is just the caveat to carry you to basketball season. Yeah, I mean that 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 sounds like I'm treating it, you know, treating it very poorly. I I, I still have a, a heavy amount of fandom, uh, borderline probably psycho nature for Notre Dame football, but Notre Dame basketball takes the cake. You are a huge nerd. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nerd! So yeah, you guys for some reason have not come over and watched a single game this season, but you, you know. keep giving the wrong, giving me the wrong directions. You know, if I, I know you're figure. busy tonight, Mark, over there yeah. inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, uh, watching the Pacers and the Sixers. But uh, if you want to swing by, you know, I'll bring some graders or something. Have something on the Tuesday. Oh, it's right there, 56 in yeah. Illinois. Uh, have something on the Tuesday calendar. You can do that. I am looking forward tonight, Joel Embiid and Miles Turner. We have not gotten that this year when the Sixers and the Pacers have faced off. Um, that's been fairly one-sided it's been fairly one-sided would be yeah uh uh-huh that'd be like Notre Dame basketball this year just on the reverse of it but Joel Embiid is just such a unicorn man I mean the guy is he is he had like 10 assists the other night when they when they beat the Bucs so uh Turner is 
playing probably the best basketball of his career, that's got to be one that he circles. Thinks about a whole lot. Well, Turner's got to hope that his kind of open open floor spacing that can happen with Halliburton can catch Embiid in bad defensive positions. But because if when he has tried to you know kind of play on the block, forget about it. Forget yeah, about it. And certainly Embiid, it's not just a one man job, but you know Turner would be a huge huge part of that game plan. So again, the Pacers back at home tonight. They've got the Rockets on Thursday. So you guys are saying that Thursday night is when is when the party occurs for me. I mean, they're playing the Rockets. I would surely hope so. You can probably get some good drink hope. specials around town on a Thursday night, right? Probably. <laughs> Celebrate well, you, that? I th- you're, you're the one buying the drinks, right? Mm-hmm. With your big windfall? Hell yeah. What yeah. if we found out that actually he wins like $12? <laughs> right? He's told me what it was, so I know it's a little more the, than that. The, there's been some times during the season that I thought, boy, am I going to have to cash this out and try and hope to get $12? Have you been offered the cash-out option? I Got it. You know what? I, I gotta. I gotta open that up the old what app. You accidentally push cash out right now. Then Mark, don't even joke about that. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a draft related question for for Mark when we come back related to the bull or uh, related to the Bears, not the Bulls. Is it about draft beer? Uh, well, it, I could help out with that. I, I, I guess it could be a little bit about that. Uh, we'll do that next. Bob Kravitz joins us here in fifteen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. By the way, this is an excellent point from my question earlier. You know, we Mark, what is the theme of this program? Educate and entertain. Right. Generate conversation, the other, right? Well, that's, uh, hey, a whole ad, that's a whole other t-shirt. This from this from Christy. E.T. was probably a young adult. He was part of a mission. Aliens would not put ch- kids in charge of a mission. Then again, he could have been a kid from a family who was just on a visit exploring the galaxy and he got left behind. There are too many possibilities. This is an excellent question. That's what wow. happened to Joe Dirt, too. He's on family vacation. He got left behind. Well, Mark, you he... don't play the nerd sounder for that? I yeah, you play for my now, nerd ambassador. He could also be a senior citizen that wandered off, was a little confused. Somebody said in the book he's like 10 million but years the old. Thing, but my point being, that's why I said, on his planet, I mean... 10 million years old wherever he was from may be the equivalent of being a child or a like but i thought of him as when i first saw it i thought of him as not a yoda level adult but as an adult because he is at the end with elliot and with drew barrymore and whatever else he's the one that's kind of like guiding them on that it's okay to be how they are in terms of their emotions and whatever else i have to say for 10 million years old Looks pretty good. <laughs> Andy outran the dogs. Yeah. When they uh, landed, so he's still spry. Tease this before the break. QC uh, Kinetics. E.T. uses QC Kinetics. He has the joint pain at 10 million years old. No issues. Uh, looks better than Tom Brady, according to Jake, at, uh, at the same age. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, Mark Ryan polls Bears GM. Had some comments uh-huh. with Peter King um, in the Football Morning America column that Peter does every Monday. Said that he talked with three teams at the Combine about trading up to number one. And one of those teams was a lot further back than he was guessing would think they could get to one. When you look at the draft order, any team maybe jump out to you as someone that a little further back has some curiosity about moving up to one. 
I mean, I'm just looking, and I'm curious how far back he's talking. I, w- I would like to say the Titans at 11. That one sticks out. I was thinking maybe Carolina at 9. That one's not as far back. Like, when he says farther back, like I'm thinking outside the top 10. Yeah, I think I think some people, though, Mark, it's like if you get outside the top 5, now you're getting out of yeah, the I mean, elite defensive prospect range, you know. Houston and Indy, those have been the two most popular names. But as we shared, you know, over the weekend or um, last week when we were at the combine, you look at the teams right behind the Colts. You know, Seattle with the two first round picks, Detroit with the two first round picks, both of them in the top twenty. Those two first round picks, that I think is something to keep an eye on. Now, this to me just is Ryan Poles. I think acting like the market is a little bit bigger than him or bigger than it really is. Um, he said to Peter King, he's confident that he can swap first round picks this year and get a first rounder in 24 and mm-hmm. 2025. Man. Unless you're trading all the way back to maybe Tennessee at 11, Mark, I, I that's that's so rich. There's there's no way I can see teams doing that. I, I mean, if you're the Bears, though, th- the best news for the Bears was Anthony Richardson coming out looking like. Uh, you know Adonis and Will Levis saying that he had a cannon and CJ Stroud handling everything well you know all the quarterbacks checked off a lot of boxes that is the best news for the Chicago Bears yeah the, the Jalen Carter thing maybe hurts him a little bit Yeah, Jalen Carter hurts him but the quarterback right. stuff is good yeah I think I was seeing some stuff on NFL Network they're debating whether or not now quarterbacks can go one two three off the right. board which I know Kevin has speculated before too and if that's the case that's even more more ammo for the Bears that you know, hey, you want to get the guy you want, then you got to trade with us. Otherwise, they could go back to back to back. The, the more future busts the Bears can collect, the, the happier they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Again, I yeah, am for sure. I, I 100%. am percent. That's what this is all about. I, I, I'm a big believer in that. You <laughs> do <take> a walk. <laughs> you do whatever you can to trade up, but that I mean to go from four to one for a 2024 and a 2025, yeah. I can't see that happening. I mean, I, I could see if the, if the Panthers are involved, right? I could yeah. see that kind of a that kind of a return. But the reason for that would be obviously Chicago would be going right. from one to nine, which right. is much different than one to four. That's so. why I almost think you trade with the Texans, do the one to two move. That's a lot easier to you figure out. Chicago trade yeah. with the Texans, and then the Bears figure out from two how far down you're willing to go after that. And again, if you're the Colts, I think you have to entertain the idea of just moving up one spot because if you get to Arizona then that means you're getting one of the three quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. Arizona being there at number three. Uh, We'll chat about this more and a whole lot with Bob Kravitz coming up next. Bob Kravitz from The Athletic going to join. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yes, in a few tonight, over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Pacers and Sixers, 6.30, our coverage begins here. With that win yesterday over Chicago, Indiana now the first team outside of the play-in. They are a game and a half behind Washington. I think the Pacers in the play-in game as the 10 seed would frighten a lot of the fan base. Uh, time for a tankathon, real quick. Shall we see? The more you win, the less the tankathon... I know. Comes into play, but... Here we go. Where are they in the original? Like, right now, where are they? Well, I don't know. I already hit it. Oh. Reset it. Fire it up. Are you sure? I, 
Right now they're 11th in the East, so that's got to put them, what, like 8th? Something like that? 7th? Uh, they are 7th. You ready? Let's do it. With the second pick and the 2023 NBA Tankathon draft, the Indiana Pacers select Scoot Henderson from the NBA G League. The Orlando Magic are on the clock. Then after that, they have, uh, keep in mind, the Pacers have a plethora of picks in the first round. Uh, Colby Jones out of Xavier, they would take 26th and. Bilal Kulibi, international player, who's 6'6", at 28th overall. Then they have the 31st pick, Dylan Mitchell out of Texas. The latest mock drafts, by the way, see, this can't be right because this has, well, now they have Jalen Hood-Shafino down to 29th. He is not going to last 29th, I'm telling you. Jalen Hood-Shafino is going to be a top 20 pick. Yeah, Alan goes, the players don't want to tank. I don't want them to tank either. Of course, I mean, no one I think is ever saying that the players want to tank or Rick Carlisle wants to tank, but um, you consider this team's record when Tyrese Halliburton is off the floor. It's just another reminder to me of you need a major, major piece to go along with really a nice core that you have. I don't think getting to the nine seed in the play-in and losing that or possibly even getting in the first round and losing that in four or five games would do a whole lot for you. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Ziggers Hotline, as he's been kind enough to do each week, you can read his work at The Athletic. Bob Kravitz coming off of the NFL Combine, so we will begin there with you, Bob. Do you feel like for the Colts or the NFL in general, after now the quarterback in particular workouts, uh, I'll ask you the same thing I asked Joel. Do you think things have kind of become more clear for Indianapolis in terms of whatever vision they may have, or did things become even more cloudy after seeing four quarterbacks that all look pretty good? Yeah, I think it tends to clarify things. It tends to confirm your 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 biases going in. Um, I, I think they're all they're all waiting until March twenty third down in Tuscaloosa to see what uh, you know, see what Bryce Young looks like uh, besides short. And um, not that there's anything wrong with that, I should quickly add. But uh, no, I, I think I think you know you you watch the tape of these guys for years and years, or for for months and months, and you know what they're about. You know, I mean, Will Levis looked really impressive, and he's got the big pipes and the whole thing. And you know, but 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 can he stare down a blitz? Can he keep his eyes downfield? while he's got people in his face. And that's something he didn't do particularly well at Kentucky last year. So I think they went in with some ideas from watching tape, watching film, and uh, I think it all comes down to what happens on March 23rd in Alabama. Bob Kravitz with us here from The Athletic. Bob, major, major kudos to one of your latest pieces in the Eminem lyrics. Um, I didn't know that you had that in you. That was outstanding. For those that... I am a man of many talents. Yeah, and again, hand raised for me not acknowledging that and and, and knowing that that you could pull that out. Uh, For those that did not read the piece, I encourage everyone to, um, but the analogy you were going there for the old one shot, one opportunity... Yeah, absolutely, and 
All right, you want to know why uh, why I used it? Because my wife and I were watching TV the other night, and Eight Mile came on. <laughs> a great movie. A great movie. I've seen it like three times, and it just got got me thinking. This is their one shot at it, presumably, unless they want to be like the Jaguars or the Jets and be picking at the top every every single year. And I thought, well, that's appropriate. And the most important thing is it made Zach and James laugh. <laughs> so that that was that was the whole thing behind that. Do you think there's any, and when I say any, I guess I'm talking Jim Mercer, Chris Bauer. Do you think there's any thought of them of saying, hey, we're going to say it for it's too rich to trade up, and if the quarterback's not there, we'll just take the best non-quarterback and – Maybe we'll struggle next season, and we'll be right up there again. And that's our opportunity to uh, to take the guy. I think that if Chris Ballard was in his first or second year, that might be a possibility. Excuse my voice, this morning voice. But uh, uh, the fact that Chris Ballard needs to win and needs to win soon, I, I, I think there's no way, and I think that people people would go to West 56 with pitchforks and and, and and you know all kinds of uh, all kinds of things, and it would get a little ugly. So no, I see no way they they go and grab somebody else and um, and, and wait till next wait till Caleb Williams or the May kid comes out next year. Bob, I guess the million dollar question becomes: Are the Colts convinced this is a draft with four great quarterbacks in it because they need no. to take a quarterback, or the quarterback? Or the Colts deciding that they need to take a quarterback because this is a draft with four great quarterbacks? Well, I think there are four very good quarterbacks, and they all have they all have issues. You know, Levis, um, you know, you don't know about his pocket awareness. Richardson, you don't know anything except he's a great athlete. And we knew that he was going to blow up the, here at the Underwear Olympics. Um, you know, you know, you know what all these guys bring – I'll tell you the guy who impressed me most, and not because of his throwing, but just based on on the way he handled the situation, you know, in the press conference was C.J. Stroud. I thought, you know, I, I realize it means nothing; it's not predictive, but <clears throat> that guy's going to be the face of your franchise, right? You want him to be able to handle, you know, media, and that's one of the reasons why Chris Ballard told me a couple of days earlier that he watches those interviews and tries to glean some information from that. So uh, I thought C.J. Stroud was very impressive in that sense. But again, let's see what happens when they do their due diligence and get down to Tuscaloosa and take a look at uh, take a look at uh, Bryce Young. Yeah, no shortage of confidence from C.J. Stroud at all at the podium on Friday. Um, down at the convention center. Again, Bob Kravitz from The Athletic with us. Uh, Bob, it's a question that I asked you probably a month ago, a month and a half ago, and at the time, you said Indiana. And I'll ask you it again at the Big Ten tournament here. Um, Purdue or Indiana, who do you expect to make a deeper run in the NCAA tournament? I still think I still think Indiana for a simple math equation, and I'm not good at math, but Purdue's got one pro, and Indiana's got two. And I just heard you uh, during the when I was waiting uh, talk about Huchifino at twenty nine. There ain't no way he's a fifteen to twenty guy. Totally agree. Uh, and and at, at worst. And, and here's the thing, Bob. I think you just said it there. I his 
at this point, Hood Shafino, especially this year, this is a from an NBA standpoint. Now we're talking not NFL. From an NBA standpoint, it is a very top-heavy draft in the top three, and then interchangeable from four to like fifteen. And Hood Shafino, so to me, Hood Shafino right now is probably capped at fifteen to twenty with opportunity here through the workouts and everything else to move himself into like probably early teens, right? Well, you know, you look at guys like Mike Conley, who you know weren't weren't going to be high draft choices or, or or drafted at all, who went nuts in the NCAA tournament and put themselves in a position to get picked uh, pretty high. So, I, I still think he's got some work to do, but he he you know he's going to get drafted. There's no doubt that was his last game in Assembly Hall, and you know I, I hope people appreciated what he what kind of player he was. While he was here, and I think he's going to be—he's going to be the difference between uh, between Indiana and Purdue uh, advancing. Now, I realize that you know Purdue has struggled here in the last month. IU came perilously close to losing two straight home games to finish out the Big Ten season. Almost blew their chance at a double bye, but they got it done. Trace Jackson Davis uh, is just. So impressive, and if I can toot my own horn, I've got a big Trace Jackson Davis story going in the Athletic. I think either Tuesday or Wednesday, with some stuff that maybe you didn't know about him previously. Any Eminem lyrics in that? No, Kendrick Lamar. Oh, wow! Look at this, Bob. Just incredible. Uh, boy, the more you can do, Bob Kravitz uh, is with us here <laughs> from the Athletic uh, on the IU Purdue front, Bob. Um, you know, Purdue was not picked to finish top four of the Big Ten. They win the conference by three games. That is rather historic, really, when you think about it. It's one of the youngest teams in major college basketball. Um, how much will the rest of March, or should the rest of March, shape how we view this Purdue season? I don't think that it should, but they, they've raised expectations. Um, and, you know, Purdue fans, one thing I... I learned about them in my 20-something years here in uh, Indy is that they're, they're always waiting for the other shoe to fall. They're always waiting for somebody to get hurt or for them to come face-to-face with a crazy hot St. Peter's team. Uh, and, look, the history is the history. But, look, I, I think they're – you know, this is cliche, but I think uh, they're playing with house money in a lot of ways. This is a team that's picked, I think, what, six in the Big Ten – uh, this year to do what they did was utterly remarkable and in any other year Matt Painter would be coach of the year in the conference yet again but he won't be because of what Chris Collins has done at Northwestern yeah and that Bob I'm curious if Chris Collins is does Chris Collins look at Northwestern and say I could make this another Duke I'm not saying that they're going to win titles all the time but you know that I can succeed here and, and become comfortable here or is he still thinking of Northwestern as a springboard job, in your opinion? You know, I, I honestly have never had that conversation with him. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, you look at, at the football coach, Fitzgerald. You know, that was a team that was horrible for years until, uh, uh, you know, until that, uh, in the mid-'90s when they went to the went to the Rose Bowl with Gary Barnett. Um, but I, I, I think... He might be a long timer there, uh, but I, I don't really know. I'm just guessing. Okay, lastly for you, Bob, in the next month, better odds 
a month from now, Purdue is in the Final Four or both Nick Foles and Matt Ryan are on the Colts roster? There's no chance those two dudes are on the Colts roster. I'll take, <laughs> I'll take, I'll, I'll take all my chances with uh, Purdue in the Final Four. Look, if they get the right matchups, and if you can keep Edie out of foul trouble, and they start hitting their damn threes, which has been a bit of an issue, um, I think, I think they'll they'll be okay. But uh, yeah, there is no way Nick Foles and uh, Matt Ryan are still here. I don't know what what the technical aspects of that are you know how how much they'd have to pay uh certainly uh, matt ryan but you don't you don't want that guy you don't want either one of those guys anywhere near this franchise no chance he says kevin i, I think no better chance. better chance butler makes the final four this year okay. than nick Foles and matt ryan are on the Colts roster in a month uh bob thank you Agreed. for the Bob, thank you as always uh, for the time on these Monday mornings from Eminem to Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. We'll look uh, forward to the Trace Jackson Davis piece. I'll come up with a new rap group next week. Love it. Thanks, Bob. Never go wrong with Public Enemy. Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless. Do we have a new Ursay video I just saw? Hotline. I believe we do have a new Jim Ursay playing video. Uh, I've not seen it yet. Mark, you want to try and dial that up? I think it'd probably be good just to listen to it and just organically. Let's get a nice reaction to a Jim Mercy plane video. Let's hope, it, I, let's hope it's safe for work then. I thought he was out in Vegas this week. I thought he had his collection out in Vegas. Are you ready? Yeah, let's hear it. Jim Mercy plane video. All right, meeting oh last week. Okay, that, first of all, that is that's like the worst phone quality I've ever seen. No, that's okay. You want to still play it? That's yeah, Jim Irsay. What the heck? Wait, I think he re- hold on. I think well, he we're not expecting it. Fellini here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was about <laughs> as garbled as you could. Okay, okay well, it's okay. Let's give it another no, that, that, whirl. It, it, does, it does look a little muffled. It looks pretty bad. All right. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. All right, leaving Las Vegas, headed to Palm Beach for some NFL committees, but wow. What a weekend we had. The concert was unbelievable. The time shift move was was very difficult. But we got uh, off to a new star thing to Mark Davis and Chris Angel for trying to help with alternative venues. But we got it in and what a show it was. Billy Gibbons, Ben Stills, Steven Stills, Kevin Crowley, R.O.C. Wagon, the whole thing was incredible. So we had a great time in Vegas. Fired up about the draft and uh, just looking for a great 2023 and where the next show is, no one knows. So, so he's talking about a a concert that he did. Kind of ended abruptly, didn't it? Yeah, I feel like that that plane looks pretty nice. That should have Wi-Fi on it, right? Shouldn't you have a better quality video than so than that? So I thought that was going to be him talking about the excitement of the combine. It was about a show. How many did. NFL owners would you have in the day after the combine exits your town talking a fifty second video and ninety eight percent of it is about the concert you just had out in the Pacific time zone? You know, I mean, the time difference, you know, is tough. You know, but the guys did Mark Davis and the guys did a good job. Okay. Mark Davis shaved his head. Did you see that? The beautiful bowl oh, cut no. is gone. Did he really? Why? The beautiful bowl cut is no more. Gosh, I'd love Mark like Davis' Like shaved it hair. entirely? That's gone. Okay. There's a picture of him, I think. I think he came from the Super Bowl, but he was, he's, yeah. By the way, gone. speaking of pictures, before we get to the check down here, um, I'd like to throw this out. I just went down to my mailbox here, which I just found out we have mailboxes. 
I don't know who did this, who left this for me, but there was a small envelope, and it just said, For Jake Query. And inside of it is a photo. Now, you guys see this photo here? This yeah. is This was my friend Stevie. When I first worked here at WIBC years ago and did the morning show then, there was a guy that lived basically on the streets around Monument Circle and would come each morning to the showcase window when we did the show down on the first floor to the window and would show me different... He would always knock on the glass and hold up different electronics. And he was a master whiz of taking electronics, other people's junk and turning it into his own treasures and fixing them up he could fix he fixed anything um but he was homeless and he lived down here and over the course of the time of getting to know him they would bring breakfast in and things like that and we would we'd have a bagel or whatnot and um he had gone to tech high school so we'd talk a lot about tech basketball and stevie became my buddy when i was working here and uh, he was killed sleeping outside of the Sheraton back in 2008, I believe. And we had a candlelight vigil for him on Monument Circle. Uh, and he was a, a tender and sweetheart of a man. And I don't know how anyone even would have recalled that friendship. And I have no idea who left this for me at the station, but um, it is it will be treasured by me. This is a very, very kind gesture by someone. I have no idea who left it. No, no, nothing? It nothing. It just says, for Jake Query. And it's Stevie. I have no idea who took that photo. But Stevie was the best, man. Yeah, black and white photo for those. Yep. Great dude. Picture Great enough. dude. Uh, and you know what was interesting is when, when we had a... Um, you know, Stevie lived on Monument Circle, was homeless, and when he and, and I offered for him many times. I'm like, do you want to come and do laundry? Do you, no, no. He, I mean, he, he was... He, was, he just liked being on the street quite frankly he did not have any substance problems he did not have any alcohol problems um once he passed when we had a candlelight vigil i met his family and he came from a great family he was one of six kids i think it was i met his niece who was super nice and he had he was bipolar lived with his mother and when his mother passed they sold his mom's house, and he said, "Well, if I can't live here, I don't want to live anywhere." And they would his mother would put his medicine in in his in the milk bottle, so that he kind of unknowingly would be taking his medication every day. And then once his mother passed, he he didn't want to live any. If he couldn't live in that house, he didn't want to live anywhere. And you always assume when you see homeless people that like they have substance abuse or they have mental illness or they have no family and they're alone and that they they're there on their own by their own actions. And Stevie taught me that that's not always the case. There are a number of different factors that go into it. You never know the background story. You never know the familial situation. He had a great family of wonderful people that were like, we would get, we would pick him up at Thanksgiving and he would always say like, I just want to go back down to the circle. And he lived, I mean, I'm like, he lived in one of the areas, the spokes of the circle. Um, but he taught me a lot of lessons. And I think when he passed, he illuminated to a lot of people some of the different things and challenges that people have downtown. So I've always appreciated that. So I have no idea who it's left cool me that story. photo, but it's it is a cool photo. Um, Very cool. The pop quiz coming up here in about ten three one seven two three nine ten seventy on that. Um, 
Anthony goes, couldn't that Ursay video be this is not me meddling in the football side, leave it in Ballard's company's hands? Isn't that what we asked for? That's that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that's like reading a whole lot into it. I mean, I don't think owner – well, I mean, some owners are in town for the combine. I know David Tepper, the Carolina owner, met with Derek Carr uh, here when the Panthers met with him. I mean, Ursay's going to have a say in this quarterback move one way or the other whether he's out in vegas doing a concert frankly i'd rather him be here probably meeting with these quarterbacks if he wants to uh hey jake ursay took his collection to vegas had his band play a gig saturday the time change he's talking about is the fact they had to move from six to noon because of high wind warnings he had billy gibbons steven stills and wilson and vince gill playing with him too yeah i did see that the weather impacted the time change on that kevin query what's your name I'd like to know, like, you know, those are some heavy hitters. Now, Ursay does vocals, right? Uh, I'm not too familiar with how the playlist works at those. I mean, I've seen him. He sends out video every once in a while of him doing vocals. Uh, Good for him, man. I mean, it is pretty cool. Like, you know what? You like music. You got the means to do it. Get together and play with whoever you want. Kudos to him. Yeah, and again, we'll see how the rest of this month plays out. I know Bob referenced a couple times in Tuscaloosa coming up for the Pro Day for Bryce Young. Obviously, the Colts will have representation at all those Pro Days. Kentucky's for Will Levis and Florida for Anthony Richardson and Columbus for C.J. Stroud and company. And the Colts can still bring those guys in for formal visits. They can go to their respective campus sites and meet with them there. So, Still a lot of opportunity for the Colts to continue to have some one-on-one conversations with these quarterbacks, and I would assume Ursay would be involved in some of those. Anthony Richardson's in shape. He looks like he could play for the Pacers. <laughs> he looks like he could play for Shaquille Leonard. And like he's one of those guys that when he opens his mouth, it's like, oh yeah, you're you should sound that voice should be as deep as it sounds. Oh really? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I just, you know, I'm looking to play quarterback like that. We'll play some quarterback audio here a little bit later in the week. But so you like talk Vincent, about... Like Barry White? He didn't like James Boyd's uh, questioning to him on Friday at the Combine. I thought James Boyd asked a very fair question, and uh, Anthony Richardson decided to come back and point a few times to James Boyd. Uh, you know, this guy right here says I'm a project. Like, Well, no, that's not what he said in the question. He simply was asking you about those that say that you are labeled as a project. Um, Anthony Richardson as confident as his frame indicates. That's good. That's what you want out of a quarterback, don't you? Stephen Holder followed him around. So when we have Stephen on later this week, Stephen got a little behind-the-scenes view with Anthony Richardson on that front. Okay. So we'll uh, chat with Stephen coming up a little bit later in the week. I would be hesitant of any quarterback that – you were not blown away with until they were doing stuff with nobody else on the field. I've done the IndyCar two-seater, and it felt really fast, and it was awesome, um, but there were not 32 other cars around me. So by no means am I ready for the Indy 500. So you mean like the throwing sessions? I mean like Anthony Richardson. I get why there's intrigue. Sometimes I think you got to go with your gut instinct. And your gut instinct is if you watch this guy play all year in college football and he did not jump out at you as a top-level prospect for the NFL, then just because then you get to see him without pads on and running the 40 and doing the high jump and doing the broad jump, that shouldn't necessarily sell you if the tape itself does not. You're saying basically like he was off our board, but after that combine, he's number one. Yeah, I think that's da- – nothing against Richardson himself. I think that – thought process is dangerous i I think the 
football fan is more in awe of what Anthony Richardson did this past week than the NFL world is. I think the NFL world knew he would do what he did from a combine standpoint. I don't think they're too shocked by those numbers. Right. I think it's more of the common fan is like, wow, you know, I didn't watch him a whole lot at Florida because Florida wasn't very good and he wasn't very good. So now they're like, oh my gosh, can, you know, 244 pounds and running a 4-4. I think the common fan can like, oh my gosh, that is very rare for a prospect to do that. I think the NFL world is a little bit more in tune to he has a whole lot of work that needs to be done. Here's the set list, by the way. Lawyers, Guns, and Money, Warren Zavon cover, Jim Irsay lead vocals. Stuck Inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again, Bob Dylan cover, Jim Irsay lead vocals. Um, then later, there are a number of songs here that were played. Uh, Hurt by Nine Inch Nails, Jim Irsay lead vocals. So he sings one. not every song is what you're getting no, to? No, most of these songs were are the lead um Billy Gibbons played uh, the the sang vocals on a lot of. Mike Mills sings the vocals for a lot. Uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd did vocals. They played twenty eight songs. That's pretty impressive. Oh, Jim Irsay lead uh, lead vocals on "Give Me Shelter." How about that? Any video of that, Mark? "Comfortably Numb" by Pink Floyd. Jim Irsay lead vocals. Scotty's in the building. Pop quiz coming up in five for now. A morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Boilermakers of Purdue, they cut down the nets yesterday at Mackey after they held on to beat Illinois 76-71. Probably the best aspect to yesterday for Purdue is they built a 21-point halftime lead with Zach Eady playing just nine minutes in the first half. Fletcher Lawyer didn't make a shot either, so they got a lot of help from others. Brandon Newman atop that list. 19 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals for the Valpo product. Jake, we just had Bob Kravitz on, and he mentioned you know, Indiana going deeper than Purdue in, in the tournament. The one counter to that would be if they can pencil Newman in for 12-14. to 14, Boy. That all of a sudden is another Dude. element that Purdue is not... Had here was Matt Painter afterwards on Purdue doing some things a little bit out of the norm with Zach Eady saddle foul trouble. Oh, it was huge because you know Zach gets two fouls and we built the lead without Zach in there. And um, you know Trey Kaufman played well and did some really good things, but our, our activity with our hands, you know, it's obviously from our perspective. I think he would look at it as being careless, where we look at it like it's good D. It's probably somewhere in between. But I thought our guys' hands were really good. At that, at that time, that last four or five minutes of the thing, excuse me, of the first half, and uh, just being able to generate, you know, some layups, getting to the free throw line, and then having a couple, you know, step-in threes there really built the momentum for that lead. Good hands. It's like George Costanza, right, Mark? Could be. Could have been. Walking around with oven mitts, right? Stupid iron. Just just to protect him. Uh, Indiana 75-73 over Michigan. You talked about Brandon Newman, you know, starting to really – get mixed into things for Purdue at the right time. Indiana needs that from, we know Trace Jackson Davis is going to give you 27 like he did last night. You know that for the most part, Jalen hood Shafino is going to be a factor. Only 13 last night, but he's got to shoot the ball well from the outside. Race Thompson had 16 and 10, but Kevin, I, I think you made the point in the morning when you said that Galloway, Cop, 
they've got to get consistent outside shooting from those two to be able to go well, far. I think especially the Xavier Johnson news of him not returning this season, you know, somebody else away from home. And there's been moments, certainly in Mackey last Saturday, where Galloway and Cop gave you that. Tamar Bates did hit a couple threes on uh, yesterday, but still, he has not been anywhere near as consistent as you would like for him to be. So, Big Ten Tournament, Purdue will be the one seed. They'll take on the winner of Michigan Rutgers. That will be Friday at noon, Indiana is the three seed, so they slot into the nightcap on Friday. That's approximately a 9 o'clock Eastern tip. They will take on either Maryland, Minnesota, or Nebraska. Eddie Carr yesterday, Marcus Erickson, first win of the year. He passed Pata Award late in the race. Scott Dixon was third, so Erickson, last year's Indy 500 winner, gets the win. Now it's a couple of weeks off, and then starting out April in Texas for a race on the Oval. Pacers last night, 125-122 over the Bulls. They are at home tonight, taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. Tyrese Halliburton with the game winner yesterday. Probably one of the highlights individually of the Pacers' season. Halliburton hitting a three just inside of the logo there, so to get that win, 125-122, uh, seven and a half point underdog tonight with Philly. I thought outside of Halliburton yesterday, their bench really, really important. Uh, Benedict Matherin, 17. Chris Duarte, 15 of Shaber, set 10. And that was needed with Zach Levine scoring 42. All right. Top of the pop quiz 317 239 1070. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Give us a call. Pop quiz is next. Okay, um, wh- where did the music go? Did, I, did my headphones go out, Mark? What are, thank you. What are we doing here? I faded out so that you guys can talk. <laughs> All of a sudden, I wondered what the hell happened. The what are we Woke doing here line? Move, is that what, what the hell happened? Mark uttered to Jake when he forgot his credential on yeah. Friday. Okay, I, I, I had my IndyCar credential. It just didn't seem to yeah, work. That doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work at the NFL Shocking. combine. Got the answer of no. What exactly is that? Possession oh into the end zone. For a- that was Jake, and he realized he had the wrong credential. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, somebody actually asked me. They're like, "Oh, so did you?" <laughs> Did you tell him, like, you know, do you know who I am? And I'm like, I always go back to the Gregory Peck. First off, in the grand scheme of things, to the National Football League, could not be a bigger zero. I get that. Uh, but everybody had a job to do. I get it. I mean, they got to do their job. Um, and if you have to tell people who you are, you are not. It's the easiest way to say it. Boy, when the mic went off earlier this morning, that was a different tune I was hearing out of your voice. <laughs> I think so, huh? Uh, all right, it's time for the pop quiz. We've got a little variety on this one, Scotty. Yeah, no. yeah, you guys really screwed the pooch last uh, time. Little, uh, we had a loaded nine o'clock hour on little on, passive on aggressive dude from Scott Johnston. There, all of a sudden, there, there's a little mm-hmm. anger behind this pop quiz. So, Scott apologies. Came in, Scott came in this morning needing a favor that he didn't say that we he didn't ask us to do it. He told us we're going to do it. He's like, "You owe me three pop quizzes, Buckaroo." Uh, Mark a number one through eight, or excuse me, Jake a number one through eight. Uh, we will go with you know Marcus Erickson yesterday got career win number four, so I'll go with four. All right, Eric. Eric, good morning, Eric. Hello. How you doing, Eric? Pretty good. How are you guys? We're doing great. Eric, where are you driving right now? I am on the 465 heading south. Traffic okay? Everything going okay? Smooth sailing at this hour, yeah. Okay, and Eric, uh, you're headed where? To the office. 
to the office. Okay. And um, and once you're at the office, you'll be in what line of work that you'll be executing today? Um, I'm a sales engineer for a telecommunications company. Okay. Um, Eric, you've called the program before, right? I actually called whenever the phones were down. I had to call your cell phone. <laughs> Okay. Um, did we play Get to Know Your Listener? We've had a lot of success with this. Kids in particular, uh, the research says, love this segment. Eric, um, Eric if you don't mind, can you? T- I think your radio is your radio up in the background? Yeah. If you mind, just turn it down. Thank you. Are you, you sure it's your first time calling? Not your first time calling. Okay, Eric. Um, How's that better? Yeah. Much better. Thank how you. How old a fella are you, Eric? I am 43. 43-year-old Eric. Okay. And Eric, when you were a kid, the very first poster that you put on your bedroom wall was of who? Oh, gosh. It was definitely Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Okay. And, uh, Eric, do you have children today? I do not. No children for Eric? And if you could pick any team to win, guaranteed to win, not that you not that you think will, but the team that you most want to see win a championship before uh, your time comes, you pick who? That's how you basketball. How you basketball. Okay. How far are they going this year, Eric? Uh, depends which team shows up. Honestly, I think Sweet 16 is reasonable. Do you remember Keith Smart's shot? Just kick some ass. <laughs> that was my first memory of IU hoops. I was seven. Yeah, I was going to say. Something like that. So, okay. yeah. Your favorite player in the history of IU basketball? Jay Edwards. Jay Edwards. <laughs> uh, gosh, man. Probably. Jay Edwards. Uh, probably Christian Watford. Okay. Uh, Eric, did you go to IU? I did. Okay. And, and did you, where did you live at IU? Um, I transferred there, so no dorms, but I lived on Second and Washington. And oh, that's now, a now right I, I also too. transferred IU. Where did you begin your college career? Kentucky. Oh, oh well, okay, we'll speak wow. slowly. Okay, so now it's quite the transfer. Would you like for myself? That would be Kentucky. Jake. Uh, do you want Jake to be Kentucky here, which means the start of the pop quiz career, or would you like for Kevin to be your Kentucky? We'll go, Jake. All right, here we go. Question number one for you. Which NBA team is riding the league's longest active winning streak? Is it A, the New York Knickerbockers, B, the Milwaukee Bucks, C, the Denver Nuggets, or D, the Sacramento Kings? The Kings. Okay. Another guess at it, Eric? <laughs> the Knicks. Nice. All right, number two, four ABA teams merged into the NBA in the summer of 76. Of those four teams, only one has won an NBA championship. The only one of the four that never played in an NBA Finals series. ABA, excuse me. Can you name this team that the Pacers lost to last week? Think George Gervin. The 76ers. Okay. Uh, question number three for you. Purdue enters the Big Ten men's basketball tournament as the regular season champion. Who was the Boilermakers' leading scorer the last time they won the Big Ten regular season championship outright? Was it Carson Edwards, Etwan Moore, Caleb Swanigan, or Chad Austin? I uh, think, uh, think not small, but Biggie. Notorious Biggie Smalls. <laughs> Carson Edwards, Etwan Moore, Caleb Swanigan, or Chad Austin? Caleb Swanigan. Okay. All right, number four, the NFL Scouting Combine officially ends today. The Combine has been in Indy since 87. Where was the NFL Scouting Combine held in 82? That was the first one. I was there yesterday. Was it A, Tampa, B, New Orleans, C, Phoenix, D, L.A.? Uh, Tampa. Why did I think it was in Arizona, Scouting? 
Uh, here's the last question for you. My last question for you, Eric, is the following. Which of the following men's college basketball teams is not a number one seed in its conference tournament this week? They also won the national championship in Indianapolis around the time you got your driver's license. Marquette, Toledo, Miami of Florida, or Arizona? Arizona. Okay. All right, nice close there, Eric. Um, But your middle sucked. (laughs) Mark, it took me a while there to understand that one you you went with clothes as in yeah. his wardrobe how do you know what he's wearing I, yeah. <laughs> okay. closed uh which would be a team right in the longest active win streak it is the new york knicks nine game streak let's kick some ass he coached there i was to say former knicks head coach uh caleb swan again it took a little work was correct tampa was correct see uh correct arizona was correct yeah but the four teams that merged from the aba by the way are the denver nuggets the Indiana Pacers, the New York slash New Jersey, now Brooklyn Nets, and the San Antonio Spurs. And the Spurs. You blew it! The one to win an NBA title. Thanks for calling, Eric. Cool guy. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> <laughs> Am I seeing this right? Ursay's deleted the video, and now he's posted another one? Well, I mean, the video quality was very poor. Oh, do, can we, do we have the new quality? I don't know. Let's see. Let's play the new one. Not sure. Not, not, don't believe that's going to make much of a difference here. Do we have the new one? Yeah, quality. Looks like still, the same quality exact still video does not to me. Look great. But it's, this is a new version, right? No, it's the same version. It's just uploaded All right, again. we're on Wi-Fi better. That plane does look unreal. Um, all right, uh, Kevin Corey, we'll do it one final time here to round out the show on what is a beautiful Monday in Indy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Shout out to uh, Paul Casaro and the University of Indianapolis Greyhounds. They are the number one seed in the mid West region, that play begins on Saturday. I think it's Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday. It's an eight-team region, and that's going to be played right here in Nickerson Hall. Very cool. I mean, that that's a cool little arena, gym, whichever way you want to say it, right? Great place to watch games. So, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, the Midwest Regional for the D2 tournament. And then if they win that, they will go to the final eight, which is in Evansville at the Ford Center, which is another really, really nice venue. I'll never forget when Indiana played at Evansville my senior year there to open up the Ford Center. It was a beautiful, beautiful arena. I 26 saw, and 4 on the year, UND. Did you watch any of Arch Madness? Uh, a little bit of Indiana State. Just a little bit. It was Drake, right, who won it? Correct. I think Indiana State, you know, if you look at this year, I think they took a really did take a nice step. And Is the second year for Josh Schertz there? Yeah, and like when he was hired, you know, I'll give credit to Sorari Clinksdales here because he went completely outside the box on that hire for a guy that's won like 80% of his games, but in, you know, 
in lesser divisions, but winning it, you know, basketball's basketball, right? And they got out to a good start this year, did Indiana State. They, you know, maybe you could say that in the in the league they hit some rough waters, but they seemed to steady it back. And I thought played well down the stretch. I mean, I, others may disagree with me. I don't know, but I just I feel like they have a pretty nice foundation there, Kevin, of, of being competitive moving forward in the league. And and you know, there's no reason that they can't they can become score. somebody that can consistently be there in the Moval. Yeah, no offensive issues whatsoever with Cooper Nice and um gosh, I not even try to pronounce the kid's name. These are manual local kid who also can score for him. Um but yeah, when you think about the state and you think about the teams that will be in the NCAA tournament, obviously Indiana and Purdue, um unless Notre Dame and Butler do something that there's no chance in hell they're going to be able to do, but unless they do that, it's all up to Ball State. Ball Macaulay, State, right? You talking about Corvosia Macaulay? Yeah, that first yeah. name is. I always struggle with that one. Yeah, but again, oh. I, I don't know. I, I'm. I was happy to see them. Hopefully, they'll get. I would think. Will they be an NIT contender, or, or I mean, candidate? CBI, maybe. I don't know. CBI probably, but you got because they were what the five CBI. seed in their yeah, but I mean, twenty two and twelve. I, you know. Uh, Ball but I get I get it fifth in the in the mobile. Ball State's another team that could factor into some of those tournaments. They are a four seed in the MAC. That begins Thursday up at where the Cavs play in Cleveland. The one seed is Toledo. So that is just an eight team conference tournament. The MAC waits a little bit later in the week than most of these mid major conferences. Uh, so they'll have to win three games there. It's Ohio coming up on Thursday afternoon. And then, like I said, Toledo is the one seed there. Butler will play in the Big East Tournament at Madison Square Garden uh, coming up on Wednesday. It's an 8-9 game with St. John's. So that's a St. John's home game, right? Does St. John's still play games at Madison Square Garden? Do they, Scotty? I think they, they, they go on campus now, don't they, in Queens? I have always thought that it would be fun to go to. The three conference tournaments I think would just be fun to get tickets and go for a few sessions. Big East Tournament in the Garden would be awesome. There's no doubt about it. Um, I always thought the the Atlantic 10 tournament I always thought would be cool because I think there's a lot of balance between those teams and they're good. And the other one's Arch Madness in St. Louis I think would be fun to go to. I thought you wanted to go to Atlantic City for the A-10 tournament. One of the cleaner areas of, a, of our United States, correct? <laughs> That's right. I was in Atlantic City once and unfortunately there were some pigeons on a balcony about four floors, four floors below my room. Sprayed some water to get them to go away, Mark, and lo and behold... You had to deal with the pigeons. <laughs> it's funny you bring up Madison Square Garden, the Big East Tournament. I was at the Butler game last week with the fam and um, saw my high school dean of students there, Tom Greer, and he is a Butler season ticket holder, and him and a few Butler season ticket members are going to the uh, Big East Tournament. Not necessarily That'd because be they thought Butler get on a run, right. more of just let's get this off take the bucket in, list. Right? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, they are, uh, they're really looking forward to that. So Butler, 8-9 game, noon on Wednesday. If they win that, they would play Marquette at I noon I thought about this as Thursday. well, Kevin. You and I might have talked about this. With the Big Ten Tournament, if the Big Ten Tournament's not going to be in Indianapolis, and I certainly understand why it's in Chicago, but doesn't it feel like there are some other cities around the Midwest that they could expand it to? I did not understand the women's tournament in Minneapolis. Did you see that over the weekend? Well, just... Can we get a little bit more centrally located? I I get it, but I guess you want to hit all major cities of the Big Ten, right? I mean, Milwaukee, though? Could you play games in Milwaukee? that's more centrally located. It is. I mean, Detroit. Detroit, um, yeah. 
you know, and I think a lot of the Minneapolis flavor, because correct me if I'm wrong, isn't the Big Ten football championships, aren't they going to Minneapolis soon? I think that's right, because wasn't the former Big Ten commissioner? Kevin Warren, yeah. Yeah. He used to work for the Vikings. Right. Um, now he's the president of the Bears. Um, I mean, but yeah. like Cleveland, they've never done. And any more now with, I mean, you got Rutgers, you've got And it's not like Penn you need State, to be in. Ohio State. You know, obviously Chicago, you're in Northwestern. Minneapolis, Minnesota is there. Like Indianapolis, they don't have a Big Ten team. Right. So it's not like you have to be in a Big Ten city. Um, there were some moments yesterday where if Indiana would have lost, I think Indiana could have fallen to like the seven. Oh, the I know. It's crazy. Line. I know. So they could have played Purdue in the second round. Um, but with how the bracket falls, I mean, when's the last time you think Purdue and Indiana have been top three seeds in the Big Ten tournament? Scotty? Really? Scotty doesn't think it's happened? Well, the Big Ten tournament began in what year? 98 or 99, right? Which they played in the inaugural one, Indiana and Purdue. But yeah, they really, it it goes back to the conversation we had when Indiana and Purdue played each other head-to-head this season. First time they both have been ranked in a matchup in season since X amount of year or X year, and that year was you know decades ago. Does it feel to you, or to people out there, in any way, shape, or form, does it feel like the Big Ten tournament has? I'm not going to say lost its luster, but that like the excitement and anticipation of a run for your team in the Big Ten tournament, unless you need to get into the incident, need it to get in the incident like tournament. Do people still get super jazzed about the Big Ten tournament? I think, well, I'm probably speaking a little bit out of turn, but I think IU fans have never embraced the Big Ten tournament because Bob Knight never did it, and they never got on runs. That's probably totally fair. Yeah. So I think that's where a part of it is. Again, you all can laugh at me, and I understand it, but watching Notre Dame beat Duke and North Carolina in Greensboro to win the 2015 ACC tournament was well, cool. okay, let me let me rephrase this, Kevin, because I get what you're saying. I, I guess the better way of what I'm trying to say is this. Would you agree with this statement? The conference tournaments are really fun. They have the potential to be really fun for you if your team makes a run. However, for the most part, not performing well in them is not necessarily a devastating blow. Yeah, I think that's, that's an accurate way to put it. I mean, like look at Indiana when they had – the Oladipo Zeller group and they lose to Wisconsin in the Big Ten tournament and people were just kind of like, okay, well, whatever. I mean, they're still going to be number one seed. And then, you know, then you wait until you run into that that pesky zone defense that Bayheim threw out of left field that they've never done before. And why in the world would Tom Crean have been prepared for that? And instead, let's do four and a half hours of wind sprints and make sure Oladipo can't even run up the floor. I mean, that, that was the better, you know, thing. They almost lost a temple. People, people forget that in the second round that year. You're right. In Dayton. What was that guy's name for Temple? Oh, Khalif Wyatt. Now nah, there was another fellow, right? Hold on. Oh, Wyatt's the one that went off. He had like 30. Was it really? I think 30. He had a ton. Who yeah, was... he, he was a big dude. He looked like he, yeah, he's got, he's on the Luka Doncic diet, or at least he was back in college. Okay, that, maybe that is who I'm thinking of. He had a cheesesteak or two in his time at Temple. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, no, zero. I mean, hell, I had Avers deal every other weekend down in down in Bloomington. So it'll be a quiet college basketball week leading into Friday. We do have inside IU basketball that will appear on these airwaves coming up tonight after the Pacers and the Sixers. Mark Dykton, you're going to be in the building with the fam. We'll be there. Do yep. we? Will we make it to the final horn? We shall see. That'll be interesting to find are out. You, are you taking Bucky's Nuggets? I sh- if I had some, I would. We exited Hinkle about halftime the other okay. night. I'll let you know how it goes. 
Pacers, I saw that line down to six and a half, the spread there. Uh, Pacers and Sixers, uh, home game with Houston coming up on Thursday. Uh, the the game tonight, like you talked about, Kevin, that's going to be intriguing, or the thing that I think you know possibly we'll talk about tomorrow is the Embiid Turner matchup. That that has been a house of horrors for. Yeah, I mean Embiid has been Turner's daddy, and that I know is correct. it's probably no, an aggressive right. term, but um, he has been. But at the same time, there's no denying Miles Turner's in the stretch right now that's been the best of his career. Uh, 2008, Purdue was a two seed. IU was a three seed in the Big Ten tournament. How about Scotty? Look at that! You knew it was, you knew he was going to. So come was out. that Samson? Yeah, that was Samson's. Who final won the season? Big Ten tournament that year? Boy, it was it Purdue? Yeah. IU lost. Bro. That was the Blake Hoff Arbor shot. Minnesota. Wisconsin. Who? Wisconsin. Wisconsin won it. Big surprise there. I feel like Purdue won it one year with Hummel and Johnson and those guys. So. Uh, lots to get to tomorrow. NFL franchise tag deadline. We'll chat about that. Free agency. We've already seen some veteran cuts around the NFL. Everybody enjoy the weather today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.